Hey, all you amazing people. Welcome to this King Heroes Journey podcast. You probably already know this is Beth Martins here. I've got some great people in the chat already. Super excited to see Kelly F.E. and Sue Finelli. And we've got Eric and Claire was there. I saw her earlier. So pretty excited to host the great Baldini today. I'm going to um, Actually, he's already in the stream. He's here with us. So I know him through the Crow 777 streams that they do. I've heard him speak many times. Every single time I've heard him speak, I got inspired. I got lit up. Actually, he did a really great, beautiful interview of, uh, I can't remember who it was this morning, but that was just confirmation that this was going to be a really great time. And uh, hello, Baldini. Can you hear me? I can indeed. Welcome. Okay. Uh, or I guess uh, uh, here we are together. Yeah, it was Red Fox this morning. It's his um, first time talking to anybody. I was honored that he chose me to speak to. Bright guy, obviously. Uh, and he had questions and he wanted me to answer. And I was happy to do so, at least give my insight on things. And as most things, since you have you know heard me speak before i i make no positive claims of the, that i know anymore than anybody else right just um yeah I, i've been around long enough and i've um i've made very close observations and, and i try to help others um grow where i can so um to that end here i am and i, I took your test um for the oh good for the archetype so i'd be prepared for that i always try to be prepared and uh hi hi sue she got her sticker today <laughs> yay um nice yeah, I so, don't know what that means, but oh, it sounds I got, good. I away these I do not consent stickers. Uh, so, oh, right, right. Yeah, I meant to take me. you up. Uh, I meant to take you up on that. That's awesome. Uh, make sure yeah. to get me your address. I'll uh, I'll spam my uh, email address in the in the chat. And uh, if you want just a free, just a basic, I do not consent sticker type of you know, bumper sticker type thing, um, and just uh, send me your the your uh, mailing address, and I'll be happy to send uh, you one or more for free. So uh, I always make, awesome. make sure I I spell it right because I type fast and um <laughs> and sometimes i make mistakes so people go i got my email bounce back I'm like probably probably my fault um <laughs> all right so unintended dot consequences three at uh, gmail uh dot communist so there we go <laughs> um, nice nice hey before we jump in i'd love to say just for anybody who's listening for the first time to one of these king hero journey podcasts just so you know what what's going on here i love to highlight strong men and I think that we should all be holding up a strong man or more than one of them because they are the basis for our society continuing, not as it is. We all know that's gone now. And, you know, but coming to a place of much greater, um, I don't know, reality, what it is, what are we working for at this point? We'll work on that today. Uh, I am myself a business coach. I also help people to find their purpose. I also help very much those king heroes sometimes to survive their purpose because there is an incredible amount of stress and uh, responsibility that comes when you step out and guide people and lead people and you know take the flack from people and the feedback from people, all the, that kind of thing that uh, can put a lot of stress on them. My, my father was the king hero in my world who actually, you know, it, it took him to 20, uh, 75 to die of all of his stress, but he did. And that was originally what inspired me to do this in the first place. So I welcome everybody in the chat. It's so great to see you guys. Super, super excited to host Baldini. And would you like to say just a little bit about yourself? Hello, Reperception, Janet, Droid132F, Effie Maori. So good to see you guys. And, um, sure. I mean, yeah. the, the basic description, I mean, I'm a regular guy uh, for what it's worth. I mean, uh, but, but I have um, a long history of uh, interesting experiences. I, I um, 
Mm. Well, if you if you've heard me on Crow Triple Seven, the first appearance I did there came as a result of Crow and Jason and I had been talking for a period of time prior to that because I was very interested and curious about water. And so um, something of an autodidactic polymath, I am interested in many different fields. And though I do have some degrees, that, you know, handed by the indoctrination centers, uh, most of my education has been on my own just out of curiosity. I've always been wildly curious about everything, especially material sciences. And uh, I've worked in a field of applied physics for most of my life. And largely that um, involves uh, the music industry, recording and that sort of um, thing. But I, <clears throat> I have worked for a number of um, major manufacturers who build the recording equipment and designing and building and marketing um, some of the best selling and most innovative products in, in that regard. Some of it mature technology, including uh, tube uh, amplifiers and tube preamplifiers, um, as well as um, bleeding edge technology, digital products, and did help um, develop um, some of the products that, that changed the, the entire face of the recording industry, going from analog to digital recording products mm -hmm. and, and sort of uh, democratize that process. And at the time we thought we were doing good. <laughs> I'm not sure, you know, you give everybody a hammer, they think they're an architect, right? So um, <laughs> it certainly did open up um, the pathway for a lot of people to share their artistic endeavors, uh, but the quality overall went down uh, for a variety of reasons, not just um, artistic quality, but certainly the way that the music became distributed. Uh, but anyway, as, as a part of my journey early on, um, being interested in a lot of things. I'd always tested very high, um, you know, in, in IQ tests or test scores, standardized tests. Um, and uh, so uh, er, in high school, I had scored, I took um, PSAT and had scored a perfect score on it and then uh, the ACT as well. And so a I got perfect a perfect score. Oh my God. Yeah. So I got a number of offers from different um, places, including the military, the Marine Corps, NROTC <laughs> reached out uh, and they were wow. offering me a full ride scholarship to, to law school. And so I went through the entire process <clears throat> um, to, to go through that, uh, but also have been playing uh, music and bands and stuff. Um, mm. and recording since I was just a wee lad. Uh, my mom was in a traveling gospel group before I was born. She, um, I grew up around uh, her and uh, the group and I was back with the old, the guy Walt and this big, you know, big old console in the back. And so I was always fascinated by that, by that technology and always kind of had an aptitude for it. So um, just about the time that, um, again, I was going through this process of going into the Marine Corps uh, and going through their process was making strides with the music and um, some things happened. And so right at the very last moment, I'd signed all the paperwork, but I did not do the swearing in process. I got to check in my spirit about it. And at the, you know, at the very last minute, I just thought there's, you know, I don't want to go back and look at my life and wonder what might have been. And um, the reason I was interested in, in law and legal profession, in fact, at the time was because I, looking at the world, I, I wanted to change the world. I saw that what an ugly place already that it was and wanting to make a difference. And I thought, well, the best way to do that is become a politician that way because you make the laws. And so most politicians are attorneys. And so I'll go to law school uh, and become an attorney and then uh, I'll run for office and, and go on from there. And I'll, you know, work within the system. L little did I know, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, in fact, you know, back in the day, I would consider myself very, you know, patriotic. I, I would literally tear up at the at the sound of the the strains of the national anthem and seeing the, that uh, special, you know, magic sky bunting. Uh, <laughs> you know, and now it makes me want to throw up in my mouth a little bit because I better understand the truth. Um, but I but I always had a Beth a, a sense of um, questioning things, right, and wanting to know why, mm -hmm. and this put me um, in conflict a lot of times with teachers because, again. 
I don't consider they're not bad, right? But they're just doing their job. And they've got a, a big classroom of kids. So like, for example, um, I learned to read before I turned two. And so I was already reading college level books by the time I started first grade. Well, this is very awkward. I mean, I went to private school, but um, so it was very awkward for other first grade kids uh, who, you know, they're trying to learn Dick and Jane. Um, and I'm always raising my hand, you know, excited to know the answer. And my teacher is like, you know, shut up, kid. No, I don't want to hear from you anymore. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and she was pretty mean to me, right? She beat me and stuff. And my according to my mom, right, like I had never uh, ever once told a lie until um, until I was abused by my first grade teacher. I won't give her name, but she was oh an my old, God. old bitty. Um, yeah, and she physically beat me. And and there's a lot of, you know, weird stuff that happened. But, um, you know, early on, the the kids that I was went to school with, they thought it was just cool that they knew somebody who, like, knew all the answers or whatever. And then when we moved um, from Washington State to Texas um, in 1976, 77, uh, it was, you know, a very different experience. And um, they did not like at all uh, the kid, who, you know, snotty nose kid who thought he knew everything. And again, I, I didn't I didn't know any better. I was just trying to, you know, um, I was always excited to know the answer. Right? I always wanted to know the things. And so it created some some conflict. And at that point, um, one of my teachers gave me the worst advice I can imagine, which was, um, you, you know, you're basically you're intimidating them and um, nobody wants to, you know, nobody wants to be a friend because you're, you're just, you know, they, they don't like that. So just dumb everything down. Stop using big words. Um, be dumb, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And I didn't. I didn't exactly do that. I took a modified form, uh, but it did lead me directly into um, you know partying lifestyle. So like kind of like late middle school. So I basically started immediately doing drugs, <clears throat> um, that sort of stuff. So uh, you know, I, I led me down a, a corner. I did get a different view of the world. I think at that point, um, it, it gave me some street smarts that I probably you know lacked prior to that. Not whether good or bad, it just is what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, so then, by the time I got again to this place of um, you know, uh, of being invited to join the military um, and they were going to give me all kinds of signing bonuses and everything. But I, like I said, I had this little check in my spirit about it and I didn't want to, you know, I was involved with music because I loved it, not because I wanted to be a rock star, but because I was in love with, with music and I didn't feel particularly talented at it. I knew some people who were far more naturally gifted at it, but I, I learned it, right. I, I, I fell in love with it. And so I learned it. And um, I just, um, so, so the military had tried to, um, I guess, classic honeypot, right? They had a gal. They wanted me to, you know, go into the military intelligence, which is an oxymoron, of course, but um, to become involved in uh, intelligence analysts because I have a, a particularly good way of pattern recognition that's a little outside the norm. Uh, and so they tried to get a girl who was they'd already signed up and she was going in the intelligence community to kind of date me. And we went on two or three dates and it was very obvious she wasn't interested in me. She was doing, doing a job. Right. And she's trying to impress them. So um, that fell apart pretty quickly. But as a result, later, um, they asked me a few couple of years later, they asked me to work on a project. Um, and, and so I got uh, exposed to a little bit of the way that they work. And so it was um, that experience that uh, when Crow and Jason were kind of leading into this idea of artificial intelligence and the um, surveillance state, I decided to uh, to go on their show or they, you know, they asked me if I would and I agreed to, um, uh, to, to be a guest on their show. And I did two almost back to back, like 154 and 156 um, to do a follow up and really exposing the idea of how they work and that everything that you do is closely monitored there's nothing you can do to prevent that. And in fact, everything you do to try to prevent it is just raising a big red flag, right? You're just asking for attention. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, just be aware of it. And, you know, everything that's a technology is already compromised at a hardware level, 
So um, that you know the five eyes see everything you do, and um, and and the reason for it basically they're collecting all this information to build a data model so they could do simulations, and they use these simulations to further their work, and so um, it's all tied hand in hand to this um, technocracy. So that's kind of how I, I got into um, this community. I mean, I've been listening to Crow and some others for a period of time uh, after um, you know again. So I've been uh, fairly awake and aware about things. I mean, it took um, a number of weeks, I think, before 9-11 became apparent what it was. But I knew, for example, Oklahoma City bombing, going back as far as that, I knew it in the first five minutes because of the way they were describing it, that that was a lie and it was a setup. And it, it angered me. Um, in part, I guess, a little bit more information. I know I'm just blah, blah, uh, but um, try to get the background here. So uh, when the incident with Waco, the Branch Davidians took place, I was very close to that. And um, the primary character there, um, you would know him uh, as David Koresh. I knew him prior to that as Vernon Howell. Um, he was involved, uh, again, in some of the, uh, I knew people who grew up with him, right? Uh, I am only, I had only met him four or five times. Um, and the gal, the old lady Roden, who had the place before she kind of handed it off to him when she died. And he kind of took over as the cult leader there. But uh, so I was familiar with them. I knew actually a couple of people who were there, or at least of their families, um, uh, who were actually at that place when it, um, right before it happened. They left prior because there had been a kind of a political split there, a schism. Uh, but I saw the way that the um, the government handled it. And it was, um, again, not the story that they tell, even though it was on the nightly news. Um, it was very clear what had happened. I, I was working in media at the time and had some friends working for both newspaper and television who gave me some inside stuff. And they were, um, one of them actually uh, was, he made it a just the the basics. He made it his, his way around to the backside of the of the complex on the day that it happened. They had moved everybody. They were already back about two miles. They moved everybody back up another mile and sent uh, that early that morning. They sent all the fire trucks and um, ambulances away. And so everybody in the media knew something was going to happen. And then they brought in the military. And of course, the military posse comitatus says, we, you can't do that. That's part of the American Constitution or, or part of our laws is that you can't use the military in um, domestic operations. And they did anyway, right? Um, uh, but what they did do was, that, you know, they went in and um, I was watching it live on television. The tanks came in and they literally torched those people out of there. And you could see it live on television. And that by the time the nightly news came out and they showed it again, you could very clearly see that they had digitally scrubbed the fire coming out. And they said they were just blowing CS gas in there, which is absolutely not true. They, they, they burned it. And um, the guy that I know... No, the guy, no. And the guy that I know that worked in the, uh, for the newspaper, he had, he had a video camera with him. He made snuck around to the backside because he knew um, a farm owner who, who was on the backside. And so the guy let him in. And so he snuck around to the back. He saw military guys back there and uh, he filmed part of it. Uh, but there were servicemen back there and they were literally shooting women and children who were running out the back. Um, they would shoot them as they came out the back uh, and they came toward him. Uh, he immediately took the film or the, the, a little tape out of the camcorder and buried it under a rock, noted to himself where the rock was. Um, and they came up and they immediately grabbed his camera, broke it. Um, they, they arrested him. Uh, and then he was about three or four days before he could get out. He finally did about two weeks later, finally get back to the place, found his tape, um, came back and uh, was going to try to release it to the national media. He was super paranoid. And a week later he died in a car crash. <clears throat> so, uh, oh, yeah, it was terrible, but um, it was very clear to many of us who worked in media at the time what the true story was there. But we were all really afraid 
right? I mean, because people were literally dying because of it, um, that they had gone in and they literally killed those people. They just, um, they killed them. They murdered them and um, immediately came in with the bulldozers and just, you know, tore it down. Um, again, any chain of evidence is obviously you would not do that. You would go in and do forensic evidence and they immediately um, just uh, bulldozed the whole thing to cover up what they did. So it was very clear what they did. And then when uh, Oklahoma City happened a year to the day later, they immediately said that it was um, a result that somebody was, you know, was a payback for that. And I knew that was a lie from the beginning. And immediately when the national news and the local news were telling different stories, right? So again, I lived in the Dallas-Fort Worth area at the time. And so Dallas-Fort Worth was getting feeds from Oklahoma City News of what was going on. And they were trying to tell the truth. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, hey, Bob from Globusters. Uh, <laughs> I see you there. Uh, so, um, yeah, so immediately the, the local news was trying to tell the truth and the national news had a script. And so it was very obvious what was happening and it just, it infuriated me. And so I have never been a friend of the government since, you know, since then. And um, certainly law enforcement, I've had, um, you know, um, kind of disdain for, for uh, people give me a hard time about being a cop hater. I'm like, I don't hate anybody. Um, I am against the police state and what they stand for and the means and methods that they use. I think most of them are not aware of what's going on, even though they're a part of it, right? They're kind of too close to it. Um, and so when you become a part of something, it's natural for you to want to defend it. But um, in any case, so now I've, I've monologued for a long time. I'll get to let you get back to asking questions. But for those who, you know, haven't heard me before or don't know my background, um, th there you go. I uh, have a wide variety of stuff. I'm into all kinds of things from um, science and metaphysics, philosophy, um, psychology, music, um, cooking, <laughs> you know, you name it. I'm, uh, I'm very interested in it and fascinated by it. So um, there you go. Mm, wow. So there's so much uh, that you've shared already. So I hope I'm not going to ask you stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You want to go. Yeah. So our ultimate subject today, we're going to dive into looking at finding the lost uh, spirit of truth that might have become a casualty of the new age movement. But first, I would love to just ask a few more personal questions because it's always so amazing. I think that, that's the feedback I'm always getting that people, you know, even if I'm interviewing somebody who's been interviewed a number of times before, somehow they get something new. And and uh, I mean, you're not holding back at all. You're sharing so much about yourself. I love it. Do you, do you find the work that you're doing now, maybe this is a good place to start too. I notice that you're you're wanting to do it more anonymously. Do you, do you mind sharing what's behind that? Not that we couldn't guess about what that is, but. Uh, no, I mean, I think you, you know, I, I think you're, you, you know, perceive it well that um, once I kind of got, you know, started with, uh, with Crow and it, it certainly some of the things that we touched on beyond the surveillance state, right. And kind of looking into the, the nature of truth itself. Mm -hmm. I, and I introduced the idea, or at least the observation I had that the truth movement is, is in itself something of a misnomer that while the truth is sometimes very hard to know and that they have done a, a spectacular job. And I say they, I think everybody knows we're talking the controllers, the powers that be, whatever you want to put on that. Mm -hmm. um, that they have done a, a, a superior job of occluding uh, it, in some cases destroying it um, and hiding and, um, you know, really just occluding the whole thing and obfuscating the truth. And so it's very difficult in some cases to know absolutely the, the truth. And in some cases, again, looking for objective truth is it's a matter of perception as well. Mm -hmm. But what we can do, uh, I think, uh, and pretty well as we become more astute at it, is to deconstruct the lies. And the better you get to know the methods, the means and methods of those who are doing it, the, the more easy it becomes uh, to, to tear those things apart. Uh, and you see their fingerprints everywhere. 
And mm-hmm. there's probably sometimes that I smell something cooking in the kitchen, right? I'm like, yeah, or burning, right? I'm like, yeah, no, I, for me, it's the fingerprint. I can see their fingerprints on it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I can't necessarily, I don't know what it is right away that makes me uncomfortable or makes me know, but I just like, I know it. But then right away, you'll find something. And again, once you begin to uh, to see those things, you become familiar with it. But as I began doing it more, I found uh, first a, a great community of people, right? That these were really bright, astute people who were Amazing. looking through it. And, and they did what I did. When, and I like this, this um, uh, certainly this characteristic of people who are willing to set aside their own ego and, and their own pride to admit, because when you learn something new, you have to admit that your previous ideas were wrong, right? Or you, you were mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so um, once you get, um, you know, w- once you kind of can get to a place where you can let go of previously held ideas, and say, you know, the beginning of wisdom is I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So when you mm-hmm. get uh, when you get to that, uh, and you're able to just simply look at things, um, tabula rasa, right? Just a blank slate. Just okay. I don't know anything right now. Now let me figure out what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. People who are able to do that, those are the kind of people I want to hang out with, and they're usually much more candid, transparent, um, vulnerable. Right. They're willing to share about themselves, and um, so. Part of what happened, uh, I had been a guest again on uh, with Crow a number of times and a few other people. Um, Rogue Ways, um, Lindsay Sharman at Rogue Ways had me mm-hmm. on a couple of times. Um, yeah, I was on her show too. Yeah, Russ, uh, Russ Babbitt, uh, as far as I can tell, and a few, you know, a few other things. And so, um, you know, I just enjoyed you know sharing with people. But one of the things that that occurred was I, I was right in this middle dichotomy. Um, you know, of feeling like uh, very unfulfilled in in my work, right? What I do for for a job, uh, because I had transitioned from you know designing and building um, recording products and uh, helping people, uh, a lot of you know quote f- famous people or former famous people or whatever set up their studios at home and uh, be a consultant for them and um, go on you know the touring as front of house engineer, mix engineer, and that sort of stuff. So that that was a level of fulfillment because you're trying to do a good job with with the arts, uh, but then it kind of in a state of semi retirement and um, helping design installed systems and solve problems is what I do is problem solving. Um, it, it felt like I really wasn't really contributing um, to the world the way I, I would like to. And and maybe it's also a result as, as you get older, I think those things become more important and valuable to you. Um, but um, I thank you, uh, Effie, Miori, I really appreciate that. I, I love seeing all the usual suspects as well. You guys um, really encourage and inspire me to, to keep going. I think that's what I'm saying now is I, I wanted to, um, you know, find a way to contribute and to, to give back or, or um, help the world out. And what we find, I think, and you may have found this too, as many of us find that once we have a light turned on, we begin to realize that not just some of the things that we're told are lies, but almost everything, right? I'm like everything. Um, Unbelievable. Is, is, is a lie. It's, it's deception. Um, then you want, you want to help people see it. But people are so sucked into it and so hypnotized, really, uh, that they push back really hard. And so I have often likened it, right, that when people first wake up, especially one of the big ones, right, is the flat earth deception. And and so um, once, you know, and and that's a big social taboo as as well, right? Uh, And so one of the things you want to do is go, um, I often liken it to, you know, people, like when they find Jesus, they want to go, you know, share the gospel with everybody, right? Woo! Uh, They they think they're going to, like, you know, wake up the world and they find right away that um, that doesn't often happen and they get a lot of pushback. And so some get discouraged, some get frustrated, um, some become bitter and angry, 
right? Mm -hmm. and start calling other people stupid, globe cards, right? We start using all that sort of stuff. And I, I just don't, I don't think that's very helpful. And you also have to realize that, you know, every one of us who see things differently now used to see things a different way previously. We were part of those people, right? That, that's where we come from. Mm -hmm. And so it would be a mistake, I think, to um, think that we're somehow above them or better than them. Uh, I, I just don't, I don't see it that way. But I also see that you have to, um, you know, as I've said several times, I don't want to play ch chess with pigeons. Right. And the, the metaphor there is because they invariably just flap their wings and knock over all the pieces. They shit on the board and flap away and claim that they won. Right. And it's just not, <laughs> it's not fun for anybody. Right. It's a waste of time and effort. And it, it certainly is discouraging and frustrating for you, but it's not helpful for them either. And mm -hmm. it, in fact, what it does is it increases their sense of Dunning Kruger. Right. They, they think that they're somehow victorious because you're like, what? <laughs> or, or like, you know, I did with one of uh, Rose's guests and I still feel bad. I started laughing so hard. I could, I just got tickled. I was like, really? <laughs> and I wasn't laughing at her. I was laughing at a piece of evidence. She showed a video and I was like, really? You think that means what you think that <laughs> I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, you know, you, you clearly just don't understand physics. I'm like, or she said, you're ignorant of physics. I'm like, no, I've made my living from physics for 40 plus years, <laughs> more longer than you've been alive, cupcake, <laughs> right? It's like, you know, and again, I don't want to be condescending, but it's like, you know, this is a classic case of Dunning-Kruger um, where they they believe that they um, have the information and and they're, uh, it's something, it's what they look, teach, learn in school. Right. They, they learn that simply parroting and, re and repeating and regurgitating the information makes them smart. Uh, and that's not that's not what, um, you know, again, smart. That's it, a it's a weird way to put it. Even intellect. There are so many different people um, that, you know, everybody have di has different gifts and talents. And I was very uh, again, I consider myself fortunate early on in my teens, despite being fairly you know bright, whatever. You know, I mean, um, I don't pat myself on the back because I can, you know, do math and science and stuff or we have a good memory that is often not helpful. And I will say that intellect is often like being very tall. Um, you can it gives you some advantages. You can reach things on the top shelf. You, you know, you might be better at basketball or whatever. But um, being very tall means that chairs are uncomfortable, beds and cars and you can't find a suit that fits. And um, it's, you know, dancing is awkward. Uh, so in that way, relationships become a challenge because people often are intimidated by it. Or um, when you try to uh, modify what you say to make sure that they understand and you're trying to do them a favor, if they if they pick up on it and think that you're talking down to them, then then they're offended by it. And that's not the intention at all. Uh, the intention is to try to be understood. And if I try to tell people th what goes on in my head, <laughs> it's like a pachinko machine. It's like, as you can hear me talking, right? It's all over the place. I'm running, you know, 30 or 40 different things in my head all at the same time, all the time. And it just never slows down. And so I have to try to focus enough to, um, to express myself in a way that people can understand. Um, and people often don't take that well. Um, mm -hmm. frankly. And so it's often made me feel, feel very alone and isolated j just with that. Um, and so, um, you know, relationships have always been important, but I guess the, the long winded answer to your question is, um, in trying to figure out this idea of who wakes up and who doesn't, we often, again, get back to this idea of intellect. Is it, um, what are the, what are the metrics there? And I felt like there was, uh, probably, uh, I, you know, long had a sense of pattern recognition and did some work for the Tandy corporation way back and wrote some relational databases for them that looked at data from obtuse and oblique angles, um, in what I call the chicken principle way before we had, um, the idea of metadata. And that was the idea of, you know, why did the chicken cross the road? Well, to get to the other side, of course, but if I knew, um, you know, uh, what he ate for breakfast and if I know if he's married or single or 
has kids, what the weather's like, what the traffic's like, if he's hungry. Um, if, the more I know about the chicken, the more I can understand why he risked his life to cross the road, right? What are his motivations? Uh, and so by looking at things at sometimes oblique angles and getting the more data you have, the better you can uh, approach this data and better understand the situation. Uh, so I felt that there was an opportunity if people were willing to share a little bit about themselves and using tools like the Myers-Briggs um, type index, um, which is a, you know, it's like a personality uh, thing. It's, it's not the end all be all, it's just a tool, um, as well as astrological information and um, primarily uh, the way that they describe things with the understanding that um, we make memories based on its emotional impact to us. Uh, we don't remember what we had for breakfast 11 days ago unless it was the best breakfast we ever had or we had a, uh, uh, somebody with us that we loved or uh, we got bad news, right? It's, it's the emotional it's the emotional attachment we have to a, a set of circumstances that allow us to make a memory about it and what makes it meaningful because we understand our life through the sense of narrative. So it, it's part of the story. And so uh, when they tell me their story, then I can pick out the parts um, that are important to them. Uh, and so that's how um, I approach this. And so the first of the year on Secrets of Saturn, after some conversations with Crow and Jason and uh, Wayne McCroy, especially, um, I, I decided to announce this project to people who were willing to, to give me a few bits of information. I would start trying to um, do some metrics on the differences between those who awaken and those who don't. And primarily because I saw specifically the Pareto distribution, this 80-20 rule in terms of um, people who are suggestible, well, a Pareto distribution works with tons of different things, um, but um, especially with economics and all kinds of different um, statistical patterns, but uh, but also with people, right? So there's a this distribution pattern that's recognizable. And so I felt like if I got um, a look and a peek at the information uh, that I'd be able to better identify what, what it was that um, allowed people at least to have a predisposition to waking up and then Moreover, I, I, ultimately, if we can get to sort of a, uh, a because the because the, their behaviors are very cult-like, uh, and so if we can use the same sorts of um, psychological tools to uh, that that we would use for cult deprogramming, um, that we might be able to better identify people who are more susceptible or uh, had a predisposition toward waking up, and to use a specific set of tools to help them plant seeds and see the light. You can't any drag anybody kicking and screaming, but ultimately, if I could. Um, help out with that. That would be a good thing. And then through the the respondents and connecting with them and seeing these amazing people um, who were um, beautiful. I just, I don't know any other way. They're beautiful people um, responding. Uh, I wanted to share those stories. And one of the things that we all have in common is that we're very many people feel alone and isolated. And I wanted people to know that you are not alone. We might be far flung, uh, but there are many people um, like you. And and the other aspect that I discussed with uh, Nachiquita the other day, uh, a couple of weeks back, is that we come from very different starting points. But the fact that we come to very close areas from very different places definitely again is statistically significant and that we must be coming close to something of objective truth uh, in that we come from very different perspectives and very different methods and yet we come to similar answers and so uh, from a scientific perspective that certainly has validity to it so anyway long-winded answer i've now taken up you know what uh, half an hour <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. I can be very close. You, you should have known. <laughs> Not a problem. Oh, it's really funny. And she would tell you, right? Um, oh, she is here. And she start. just said, yeah, she said, I'm teaching her to be a good listener. And uh, I'll be watching you, Rose, to be, be a better interrupter. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Right, Rose, jump in. Just go, hey, let's knock it off. Baldine, just stop it. <laughs> Fun. So do you find your roles, like maybe just right now in the present, do you find it stressful? Do you find it a big responsibility? Um, 
I don't know. Yes and no. I think the biggest, the biggest responsibility, I mean, I feel like so many people have reached out and in addition to just sharing their information, they, they often have questions, right? And, mm -hmm. and so I'm super honored that they, they value my opinion. They want to know what I think about this and what I think about that. And, and so, I mean, I'm humbled and, and honored that they would consider what I think, but I'm also cautious. I don't, um, because it's not my place to tell you what, what to do or what to think. And, um, I can advise you what I might, do or how I might see it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's right for you. Um, so that I do feel a, a great weight of responsibility in how I respond to those questions specifically when they deal with, you know, what do I do about my job or my relationship or stuff like that? It's like, man, that's, you know, that's a heavy one. It's not for me to say, but here are some things you might look at. Right. And so I'll, mm -hmm. I'll advise that way. These are things you might consider uh, mm -hmm. when you're making those decisions. So mm -hmm. uh, to that end, yes. And then I also have, again, I'm very cautious about the time that I spend away from my wife. Again, she's on, on the autism spectrum. And so um, she's brilliant. Right. She's got an IQ between uh, 147 and 163 five-ish, 163, somewhere in there, because it's, again, it's a range, right? So, um, but very high uh, IQ, uh, but also autism spectrum means that she does things in a very specific way and doesn't like change of routine. And so that stresses her out. And so I would never want to do anything to stress her out. Mm -hmm. so, so it's a matter of honoring and respecting her in that regard. So when I say, hey, honey, I'm going to do this thing from this time to this time, I need to tell her in advance so she can plan and, and do those things, right? Um, and so um, I'm, I'm cognizant of those things as well. So I have to um, do a good job at work, right? Even though what I feel like I'm doing is not beneficial to the world necessarily, um, it does pay the bills, at least sort of, um, to, you know, I mean, it helped. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I make less now than I did 20 years ago. That's sad mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. of, you know, I had my own business and then um, about five years ago, we went through a very difficult situation where um, my two primary uh, contracts uh, both uh, left for you know different reasons, nothing to do with me, but decisions of their own. Um, and so that was my primary income source. And then my wife had been working um, for a second largest legal firm in Seattle for almost 20 years and then got unexpectedly laid off. So we went from a very you know decent income to nothing uh, within a matter of about six weeks. And, and, mm. and then, you know, mistakes were made. We thought we were going to do one thing and then spent money on it and it didn't turn out. And so then by then we, you know, and, and we also were very naive. We thought, you know, we'd been paying into the system for a long period of time when we thought we'd get some help. And <laughs> yeah, no, mm -hmm. that, no, no, um, we're getting no help there. They laughed at it. They laughed at us. And so we, we very nearly became homeless for a period of time. And so it was very, very stressful, um, mm -hmm. especially for her. Right. Cause, um, she didn't know what was going to happen. So, mm -hmm. um, but you know, fortunately I found uh, work as an independent contractor. And so, uh, again, I'm happy to have work. It's not what I would like to do. Um, but it, but it, you know, keeps us housed. And so um, to that end, I'm not thrilled with the type of work that I'm having to do at, at this age. Um, but at the same time, I always want to do my best work. I never want to just slough off because I'm not making the kind of money that, um, that maybe I'm worth. I'm, I'm going to not just put in that amount of effort, right? Like you're, you're only paying me, you know, this amount. So I'm only going to do that kind of work. That's just not how I am. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to put in, uh, I'm going to do the good, you know, good work irrespective of it because I, to, from my perspective, I, I'm, I'm responsible to my creator. Right. Mm, uh, so, I love that. So I, in order to not make him look bad, right. If I'm, if I'm trying to be as he is, uh, then, then I don't want to, 
I don't want to be that guy, right? So um, I'm going to do the best work that I can with the tools I'm offered, irrespective. And, and so I do, um, it, it is kind of a balance right now, but I am really enjoying the time that I spend with you and others. Um, certainly I'm doing more of it. I went from, you know, just um, being a guest to doing my own weekly stream to now doing um, kind of two a week plus other things. So it's now like all over the place. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I have to be Again, cognizant of the time that I put into it, um, but also it's immensely rewarding uh, because mm -hmm. the feedback that I've gotten so far is it it does resonate with people and they're finding it helpful. And mm -hmm. so, how could I not? Right? How can I not? Um, exactly. Share with people when it's helpful to them. If if, if yeah. they tell me it's not helpful and that they they hate it, well, okay, that's a different story. But so far, um, I've been. Um, I've been fortunate enough to not even have very many trolls, right? It's like if people mm -hmm. don't like it, they just go somewhere else. And that's fine. I don't care. I'm not going to yeah. invest any time in feeding the trolls either. And and I have a low tolerance for bullshit. Pardon my French, but I just I just don't have I don't have a lot of patience for it. So if you're going to play that game, I'll just you know ignore you or throw you to the curb. But just we're not going to play that. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I just got my first thumbs down on a video and I'm like, yes, right I on. I did too. I did the same thing. Like, Yay, I got my first thumbs down. That means I'm doing something, right? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. so hey, people, can, can I jump in? So you, you, Go ahead. You did the um, archetype quiz at my at my website, the, the King did, Heroes yeah. Archetype Quiz. Many of you are doing it now. It's so fun. You're, you're coming through that uh, that window. And um, I'm hearing a few different archetypes. Now, now, just for anybody that's been doing it, I want you to know in advance before we talk about it that you are all of those archetypes, especially if you had any interest in doing it. That's that's right away. That's my conclusion. But what it measures is where you are currently on the hero's journey. And actually, we had a really good talk about this on the um, Iron Realm Media yesterday. I that, yeah, I listened to the whole thing. It was awesome. Oh, right on, right on. So good. And uh, you know, it's 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 sort of like the planetary system that uh, some of those planets move faster than others, but it gives you a place to just kind of jump in and, and start. So drum roll, please. I forgot to ask you your archetype before and I didn't look it up. No, <laughs> so, in fact, I was going to, I was just going to see if you, um, what you heard in it, right? Because I just answered the questions honestly. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so I was going to say, hey, what, what do you catch? Because I also caught you say that, you know, I uh, heard the, it was a great question. Is there a, um, something we should be working toward? Right? Is there mm -hmm. be, um, something that's the goal? You know, and you said, well, not really. There's, you know, we, we all go through all of them at different times, and so that's fascinating. So, mm -hmm. I, I would ask since uh, clearly you know more about it than I do. I'm very new to the archetype. Well, the the way that you ask the questions and stuff, but like what what you perceive. Mm -hmm. uh, I was going to ask you, you ask you that, and of course, I I don't have any problem telling you how what it's told me. <laughs> for sure, for sure, exactly. Yeah. Um, so Globusters, just so you know, the quiz is at my website, bethmartins.com. So the ticker tape is, is going, so you can just click on, in your case, click on for Kings. Now, sometimes people will choose one or the other. The Merpreneurs archetype quiz is for generally more for women, but it's the feminine side of being valued for purpose. And then the King, if you just click on the tab for Kings, then you'll find right away a chance to sign up for that King Heroes quiz, which is generally more for men. But I have a lot of King Hero women in my zone too. They're powerful and stepping out, speaking their truth and taking responsibility, such as you are, Baldini. Um, so I'm hearing a few different archetypes. For, for sure, the King, that's a bit, a bit of a no-brainer there. Um, also, the nurturer, you know, just hearing you say that if even if you hear one person is getting helped, that it, it just makes you so 
um, yeah. interested in in the process. Absolutely, the lover would have to be there because that's you know in terms of archetypes that you are maybe hold close because the lover is all about truth and mm -hmm. the expression and the, the connection with a deep soul level purpose that I really feel is um, is there for you. And Sue, yeah, if you just just click on bethmartins.com, I can drop that here. Then you guys can find your way from there if you don't mind. That's the simplest for me right at this moment. And so, so the answer to your question is that um, I did score as the king. Aha. Uh -huh. Right. And um, there you go. <laughs> it, was, it was interesting though when when you if initially asked me to to come on your show and you said you want to you know cover the the hero's journey I'm like that's odd because I don't really feel heroic or anything I mean that doesn't um, uh, I, I just don't very you know feel that although it's very interesting um, a few it's been a few weeks now um, uh, my wife and I were doing one of those little quizzes about like how well do you know your spouse or whatever and um, from the very outset we've been able to like finish each other's sentences we say the same words at the same time sometimes very very odd things that most people you know would never think of and yet we <laughs> we're just in sync that way mm -hmm. uh, so uh, we've often uh, even from the very beginning when we got together um, scored well on this sort of thing we just were simpatico and um but one of the questions that was asked was uh so if i became famous for something what would it be <clears throat> and uh i i you know suspected that she would say something to the effect of music or um she's encouraged me to want to write a book or she likes the way i write and so she wanted me to write a book or variety or maybe cooking um people have often tried to encourage me to do it professionally and i always say well then it would be work right i, I do mm -hmm. it because i like to serve people right that's mm -hmm. how I make things for people um mm -hmm. but instead she without missing a beat she said um a philosopher mm -hmm. <laughs> like that it didn't even occur to me and so i went yeah, that really, that, that is truth because, uh, again, the etymology of it, um, the, the love of knowledge. Philo. Philo mm -hmm. You know, Philo Sophia. Mm, uh, and nice. so it was, um, that was perfect. And I was like, y you know, baby, you know me be better than I know. I mean, I love that. I love getting that that external confirmation. And I heard you say on um, Iron Realm again that, uh, and it's something I've known to be true for a very long time, is that regardless of how, uh, astute or a perceptive we might be even the most perceptive among us have this sort of myopic blind spot when it comes to ourself and i think by design we, we need others uh, and those who we trust um, to speak into our lives uh, honestly and mm -hmm. tell us where the warts are right mm -hmm. or where the good things are too sometimes we're we're not able to really um to accept the things we do well right um mm -hmm. Especially those who want to have some humility, right? I mean, it, mm -hmm. it is um, a temptation. I think when you do have gifts and skills and talents that uh, the world wants to tempt you with um, being narcissistic or prideful about it, and um, that leads very, you know, to a bad place pretty quickly. Um, and so, I always wanted to reject that uh, mm -hmm. and be. Um, I don't know, more relationally focused, right? And and that's, I, I learned early on that the only thing that you're going to be, you know, if there is um, some sort of afterlife, and I th think there is, uh, the only things you would be able to take with you are who you are and your relationships. And, and that's it. Mm -hmm, <laughs> right? mm -hmm. Which makes the, you who you are. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. the only thing then worth investing in. Right? Mm -hmm. Not a U-Haul behind mm -hmm. the purse, right? You, you don't, uh, you don't get to keep any of that. And so sure. if you're going to invest in something, mm -hmm. you know, I, don't, I don't know anybody who laid on their deathbed and said, I wish I'd have put in more hours at work. Yeah, exactly. Right? A couple, couple of interesting comments coming up here. The, um, saying being a hero is a call to destruction with a happy ending. I actually really love that pimp jerk. <laughs> that's that's, that's crazy. Cool. 
It is very cool. And that's, you know, that's the hero's journey, the one that the, we're all on it, but some of us are getting on it more deliberately than others. And uh, there's many people in the phase of the like rejecting their calling in the child archetype, having a hard time literally getting out of the gate, even though it has, it is actually pre-writ to reject your calling in the hero's journey. That's, that's a bona fide part of it. So it's not that that's wrong. It just feels like people are mostly stuck there just saying, no, God, you can't make me, I'm just not going to do it. I'll distract at all cost. And, uh, you know, but I, I love that description, the call to, to, um, destruction. And then someone also said, disciple, I don't know if you're still here, but that he can't get behind hero or king worship. And I just want to make sure you know, it's absolutely not what I'm doing here. It's it's not a, a matter of worshiping and venerating and putting Baldini or any of my guests up and above myself or anybody. Uh, actually, I work really hard not to have that, oh, you're so great and I'm not. It's like, no, actually. And it's not even about being equal either. It's just meeting each other in, in common ground and recognizing each other, which is something I find is so beautiful in this in this community. It's again uh, a rarity where people appreciate each other so openly and That's necessary. I, I think, right? Mm -hmm. like, it really uh, is because, like, for me, one of the really changing turning points in, in my life um, was uh, again as I began um, studying to um, do counseling. Right, I was doing um, anger management and substance abuse counseling for a period of time, mm -hmm. and. Um, Part of that, of course, is that you have to go through kind of your own stuff, right? So, so you, you know what you're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you, you can't, you know, you never learn anything until you start to teach it. Right? Mm -hmm. so, uh, that's kind of a prerequisite, um, you know. But one of the things was to uh, better understand your own coping mechanisms, right, and uh, the way you do that. And and part of that is to understand better your own internal dialogue. And I had never really paid close attention, like never monitored it. Really, it's something that we all do, but uh, or at least. I, I used to think everybody did. Now I understand that there's a, a large group of young people who have no internal dialogue, which really freaks me out. But um, in any case, uh, but it's it was devastating to find that most people's is negative, very negative. We're very mean to ourselves. Mm -hmm. I know. Very hard habit to break. There's so much. Uh, they actually want us to hate ourselves. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of negativity. I mean, from the basic thing of like, oh, I always choose the wrong line to get into, right? Or, oh, this always happens, right? Of course it would, um, mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. But uh, mm -hmm. what, what I was really shocked um, to, to understand is when I monitored mine, the one thing that um, I most said to myself and really, frankly, had never, never realized that I put into words, I'd never realized that I'd codified it was this, and it was horrifying. No one will ever really love you. And so I, I believed that in the core of my being. And so you can understand what that would do to my um, ability to trust people, even when they said that they loved me, um, I wouldn't believe them, right? Mm -hmm. and so I would mm -hmm. reject it and do use counter rejection and all sorts of um, unhealthy coping mechanisms, right, to, mm -hmm. to carry along my life. And so um, mm -hmm. but once I recognized that for what it was, and so that was a really a turning point. And when um, uh, a person that... Um, you know, that I knew through a, it was one of the churches that I went to, but um, just an amazing person. I, I still call her mom to this day because just a, a beautiful person. Um, but we were driving somewhere and just having a conversation. And, um, you know, she just turned and looked at me and she goes, you know, I love you. Right. And, and for, it suddenly struck me and I'm like, I, I do, I believe you. Right. It was like the first time I really went, yeah, I believe that you do, right? For no other reason than you just like me. And it was hard for me to get my, my head around, right? Because I think we all inherently know that we're wounded and damaged. And so we put up this front 
to, to make sure that people like us, right? We, we want to be liked and accepted. And so we feel like we have to hide ourselves. Yeah, uh, it's one of the ways. Transparency is so terrifying because we're afraid that if they knew us, they wouldn't like us. Mm -hmm. That's so, the thing that, that I'm constantly coaching about. And it's uh, the work of Lester Levinson. I've no, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but he was able to identify on what he was told was his deathbed. So I was inspired by his story. Uh, the programming that operates underneath all of the experiences that we more or less know we're having, although a lot of that can also be unconscious, but mm -hmm. it's exactly what you said. It's that, uh, that constant fear that you don't have people's love and approval. And, and then it's also considered to be a want for love and approval. Cause when you're afraid, afraid not to have something, you want it. And it doesn't matter what good stuff you put on top of that. It doesn't matter how much love or joy or appreciation or anything that if you try to put it on top of that program, the program is still operating and it's not going to register. It's just like, uh, you know, it doesn't stick, whatever metaphor I can't come up with in the no, moment. I, I got you. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, this is where I can kind of come back to, um, you know, uh, the comment earlier about um, it's destruction with a happy ending. But from my mm -hmm. perspective, right, that the destruction is the destruction of these old unhealthy habits. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a story that I told, in fact, earlier today on my stream and talking to um, Red Fox was that one of the conversations and one of the key turning points for me in, in my relationship with, with dad, my creator, um, was, you know, him, him saying, you know, all I'm trying to do is to strip away these parts of you that I didn't make. <laughs> Right. Mm -hmm. I, just, I just want you to become the person that I made. And you've yeah. got these these things that you've added, right? You're this self-made man, and you're proud of it. And the only reason this is painful is because you don't want to let go. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. and the whole was, thing. The whole was, entire thing. Yeah, I, a difficult thing to hear, mm -hmm. but also it was true. And so this destruction of this idea of destroying these old coping mechanisms um, that, that we can become proud of and hold to because they, to a degree, were successful for us. But but they also are harmful, mm -hmm. and to be able to let go of those and to find the, the us that we were created to be—that's the beautiful journey. Mm -hmm, totally, yeah. In my Find Your Sacred Purpose course, I um, people always think they're gonna someone's gonna come along and and like da da. Here's your sacred purpose, and to me, the work is all just letting go of anything that's not you. Absolutely, right, yeah, and yeah. then it's, it becomes obvious. Preach it. <laughs> Preach. Hallelujah. No, I'm, I'm all over that, Beth. That is, nice. It's interesting. Nice. Um, it's probably off topic a bit, but I noticed, um, you know, when when you were um, talking to, I, I, I caught your show with Rose. Yeah. Uh, that's where I first became acquainted with you. And then I caught your nice. appearance on um, Iron Realm. Mm. And, and you had described an experience and I was like, oh, I'm so familiar with that. And mm -hmm. I still understand this, right, where you had gone through a period of time where, um, you know, the masculine form was kind of the enemy. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so that anything that went wrong could easily be pointed at is a man's fault. Right. And, mm -hmm. and I, I understand. I know people like that, um, even men who kind of get caught into it. And so they go through this, um, you know, uh, sort of self-defeating and they, they kind of. Uh, I don't want to be too hard, but they um, they self-emasculate to a degree and become geldings because they they feel like that's what they're supposed to do. Or I know they, or they want, saddest thing. Yeah, they want the approval so badly that they're willing to go you know go to any lengths to get it. Exactly. Um, and, exactly. And, and so I know people like that, and it's so sad because um, they I think they miss out on the nature of. The, the fact that we are, we're different. We're not, there's no, there's neither that's better or, or, or worse, right? Um, you know, we, we each have our strengths and our, our um, skills. And for example, with my wife and I, so it, we're well matched in that regard. Uh, and we're not afraid 
to to be weak in certain areas because I know she's got me on the other end, right? Or mm-hmm. and similarly, um, she knows it's okay to let me do some things for her. She doesn't have to be um, this fierce, independent woman. It's okay to let me do it because I'm going to do it well, right? And I'm going to do it for her um, because I love her, right? Just because mm-hmm. I want to, right? I want to do these things, mm-hmm. and and that's a joy between us to be able to do that. And I think so many people miss out on on that opportunity um, to. I don't know, help each other grow in, in that regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it's, um, I, I, I am so, I was so pleased and just so delighted. And I, I think enthused to hear, you know, that you kind of turned a corner and went, Hey, wait a minute. Right. There are, um, these, these strong men too. Right. So masculinity doesn't have to, it's not necessarily toxic. I mean, there are certainly toxic men and there are toxic women. It's people. Mm-hmm. They can be right. When they turn the, the skills that they have into something, um, that's a weapon. Right. Mm-hmm. When, they, when they use their, their strengths as a weapon um, to harm others, to get what they want. And for me, that comes the, the basic of that is fear. Right. They're afraid they're not going to get what they want. So they have to take it from others mm-hmm. rather than trusting um, that if they give of themselves, it will come back to them. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that's mm-hmm. the truth. Totally. That's totally. what I that's what I see in in um, the nature of the world. Right. Is that it will manifest if you put positive out there, you will get positive manifest, even if it's not immediate, it will happen. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and in such a beautiful way, it's just like planting a seed. It really is just like that. It's like magic, right? Magic mm-hmm. food from the ground. <laughs> right? Yeah, totally. Right. Hey, that's right. a good segue. So let's jump in and uh, talk about the new age world. This is something just for those of you who don't know me yet. I have uh, a long history of spiritual inclination, even from a young child. I was always having mystical experiences and connecting, unfortunately, with entities. I didn't know what I was dealing with at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, growing up, I glommed on to uh, a childhood friend. Not I didn't glom onto her, but uh, oh, there was a creme, chemtrail right in front of me. We haven't seen one of those for like I don't know, ten days somehow. But uh, so you know, I, I rejected my parents who had rejected Christianity. So I became a born again Christian. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I did a major flip and uh, made the wrong best friend ended up in, I was probably being groomed for a satanic cult, actually, now looking back at the string of very bad events that happened, I managed to get out of it, I got thrown in jail instead, for a little bit, came back out of that and shook my head and got back in my own life and slowly got drawn into the new age world. I had a teacher in university who lived in India. So I started going to India every year, took on meditation, learned how to read enough Sanskrit to, to write music to it. And, uh, you know, so it's just been this long string now finally coming out the other side with the truth movement and, and seeing the new age more for what it is than I had seen it before, because you would have heard me say the same way with, you know, I hope women take over the world on the masculine feminine side mm-hmm. in the spirituality. I was saying, you know, you're God and it's all one. And, um, you know, you can do whatever you want and all you have to do is think it and you will manifest it. Although, you know, that's just in itself so much poppycock. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. start using your guys word now. Yeah. And so what do you, what do you see about the new age world? What is, what is something that just, sticks out like a sore thumb for you that is is being uh, used today in in a bad way that's really hurting people not helping them 
Well, you know, it's interesting, Beth, because when you first asked me uh, to address this, you know, my first thought was, well, you know, I don't have an ax to grind, <laughs> right, with, it, with anybody or anything or movement or, um, you know, I don't want to offend people. But I certainly know that um, I've been exposed to the new age material for quite a period of time. And I, and I, I understand that, you know, like like many things, there, there are some truths there, right? For example, the idea of manifesting your will. Uh, I think that's the way the universe is made to a degree. Um, mm -hmm. but, but to when... From my perspective, um, we do have an enemy who, who hates us and moreover hates our creator such that knowing that the creator loves us wants to harm the creator uh, by taking us from him. He's like mm -hmm. a burned lover, right? Uh, if, mm -hmm. you, you can't, if I can't have you, nobody can, right? So I'm going um, to hurt you by hurting the things that you love. Mm -hmm. um, and um, that just seems to be the nature of the enemy that we have. Um, and much of that is by inference through the way I see them behave. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, again, the, the disclaimer here is that I'm going to give you my, you know, my opinions. I'm not going to claim this is how it is. And uh, but, but totally. this, this is how I, I see it. And, and um, uh, you know, as Bob from Globes, but Glo the Globebusters like to say the preponderance of evidence and largely that has to do with my experience as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but within within the New Age movement. Right. So what we what we see here is, I mean, if you just go to the Wikipedia uh, entry about it. Right. It's a, a term applied to a range of spiritual or religious beliefs. Right. And, and it brings in a, a whole a conglomeration of a bunch of different things. And um, right away, uh, it becomes this sort of milieu of um, different ideas. Uh, but when it, it immediately begins to connect itself to theosophy, right? And then if you look into the history of what that is and um, its foundations, th they will tell you that there is certainly some dark energy about it, uh, right? To begin. So for the people who say love and light all the time, that there is a, a certain darkness already inherent in its, in its foundations and roots. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as I was discussing with um, RV Russian vids um, the other night, we were talking a little bit about last Wednesday night on Secrets of Saturn. There is yeah, a, I caught that. Yeah, and I won't even um, I won't even uh, mention the person's name, but there was a, a person who uh, has a quote Christian channel um, who uh, made some leveled accusations against Rose and Jason that they were uh, witches and warlocks and satanic and Satan worshippers basically. Right? Um, <laughs> well, now we have the bitches brew ep uh, episode right. coming up tomorrow, so there's that'll ruffle feathers for yeah. sure. <laughs> um, and, you know, we kind of ultimately came to the thing, if you're so weak in your beliefs, then um, you have bigger problems than that, right? Uh, but, but really, it was all based entirely off the fact that uh, Rose had a guest who was going through the uh, some of the archetypes and some of the symbolism within tarot cards. Mm -hmm. And uh, certainly within, um, you know, fundamental Christianity, um, the idea of divination and using these tools um, can lead you to a, you know, they stay, I'll just say they go, it's Satan, hallelujah, um, even to the point of where <laughs> cards are, you know, evil. And uh, although I, I, again, I find it very hypocritical when I was growing up, for example, uh, very um, in this sort of legalistic, fundamental religious background, um, you know, playing cards uh, were, were evil, but they would play Rook, right? It's the same right. as spades, right? It's just like, you just put a different cover on it. So, right. Um, yeah, really. Why didn't you tell me you worship Satan? I mean, really cast some spells and get all this money and stuff, right? <laughs> your nose like, uh, Samantha, uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, so here, here's the problem, right? Is that, um, the, the, the idea goes back, uh, again, some people get very, very frightened by this whole thing. And this idea goes back to, you know, divination and there's in, uh, explicit instructions in, in scripture, in the Bible, um, to say, um, stay away from divination, right? Can leave you down wrong paths. But, um, there, th there's a, 
for here again, my perspective is that many of the instructions that were given to say, hey, stay away from these things is not um, a legalistic thing. It's to save you from trouble, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to, to keep you from harm. Mm-hmm. And and so when you, uh, and so here's my perspective, and this is what I told RV, and he didn't argue against it again. I don't care what he thinks. I mean, I respect him. Certainly he's been a, a truther for a long time and one of the early guys, but I don't care whether he agrees with me or not. I mean, I, I see it this way uh, because I have a plenty of evidence for it, that there is an interconnectedness of all things, like a spider web, or if you will, there's a, there's a, a cloth uh, that touches everything and we're all part of it. And everything that you do and say and think and every action that happens and every intention you have and every word you say, every choice that you make affects it. Mm-hmm. That you put out this electromagnetic field of energy uh, and, and that you touch other people with that. And everything you do has an impact on both you and others. And, and you cannot get away from that. So whether you want to call it karma, whether you want to call it you know magic juju, manifesting, positive thinking, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. um, there does seem to be um, truth to that. And, and like I find truth everywhere, whether um, whether it's in Hindi, whether it's in Zen Buddhism, wh- whether it's even in New Age, there, there's always going to be some truth somewhere because if it was complete poppycock, nobody would do anything with it. Right. Um, whether it's astrology or whatever, if it was complete horse pucky, um, nobody would touch it. It would be stupid. Um, mm-hmm. There's got to be at least, you know, uh, again, traps don't work if there's no bait in it. Right. So um, mm-hmm. there's got to be at least something there to draw you in. Well, mm-hmm. uh, to that respect, the, with all kinds of divination, whether it's the I Ching or tarot or rolling the bones or, what you know, entrails, tea leaf, you know, whatever you want to do um, that uh, from my perspective, it's, it's the result of this. Um, they're going to be when you lay the cards, for example, right, it's going to be um, modulated by this energy. Uh, and those who become adept at reading it um, will be able to get some insights into those things. So in and of itself, is it inherently evil? I don't think so. I think some of the symbology c- comes from a dark place and it has been used by people uh, for dark purposes for a long period of time. And, and so for me, here's the danger, though, right, is if you go looking for answers from uh, a supernatural place specifically, if you're going to go look, for example, looking to challenge channel other beings, right, um, they will answer that. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and and not all beings are light. Not all unseen beings are full of light. And some mm-hmm. of the ones who are dark are certainly um, very good at lying. Exactly. Right? They come in disguise. Exactly. And yeah. so they will begin by giving you information uh, that uh, and some, even some foreknowledge or, or some knowledge that they could come from no, no other source. Uh, and, and so suddenly you're, you're given special knowledge. And so, of course, everybody wants to pursue that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you find yourself in a position of being compromised and you're you're more into um, what that knowledge means and does for you than its source until you find yourself in a very compromised situation. And, and I will say that um, my experience is that if you're going to deal, if you, if you want that kind of information, the best way to do is just go ask the creator. Um, he'll tell you what you need to know. And mostly that has to do with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So if you want to know something about your neighbor so you can get something on them uh, to cast a spell on them, um, then um, that's the wrong way to ask. And in my experience, the creator will say it's not your journey. It's not your business. <laughs> right. So mm-hmm. none of your business um, work on you. Right. Mm-hmm. And when, when you're good, then then every you know, and that'll be a lifetime. So work on you for now. Um, mm-hmm. When you're looking for this, these in pieces of information, there are sources of it out there. Uh, and so what new age movement specifically looks into so one you consider yourself a god so i will i refuse to bow down to any other mm-hmm. okay i understand that but i don't have to bow down as in 
a sense of subservience, but I do because out of reverence, because I, I, I love dad. I, I love who he is and I love what he's done. And so I, I, yeah. I, I, I can I quickly enjoy no the way I know mm -hmm. no other way, but to, but to go, oh, I'm so in awe of you. Right. Mm -hmm. I would do anything you asked of me. Um, I heard a great, I'll just quickly interrupt. I heard a great yeah. description of bow down and it's not that I'm less than you. It's that I'm so full and grateful and heavy with gifts that I'm literally bowing down to the earth. Yeah. Okay. I'll take that too. And I, you know, I love um, the idea of namaste, right? Is that mm -hmm. the, the divine in me recognizes and pays, you know, not devotion, but re respect. Recognition. Uh, yeah. Recognition to the, to the divine in you. And if we all did that and recognize the divine in the other people, that'd be outstanding. But when we take that to a place of saying, I am God, right? And to me, that is um, the outcome of when you go all the way back to the original, uh, the original sin, right? The fall uh, of mankind. Well, I'll cover that um, not this week, but next week. Uh, with Wayne uh, as we go through the book of Genesis. Oh, um, good. What my understanding, again, of what happened there, it's not the tree of knowledge, right? Because we often get told, oh, the Prometheus story, he's bringing you light. Lucifer's bringing you light and information. And um, so God wanted to keep you stupid. And therefore, um, he, he angered God by giving us information. And he's really our friend. <laughs> okay, that's a lie. I'm, I'm sorry. That's just that's just a lie. Mm -hmm. uh, but but the, the tree was the tree of knowledge of good and evil to recognize that then to make the choice between good and evil. And it, it put the power of being God in your hands. You mm -hmm. became God and you became the judge. Right. And the arbiter of what's good and evil. And so at that point, we begin to judge others. Right. And so we say for ourselves, this is good. And this is immediately um, uh, you can immediately see this uh, when. Uh, so here's a great all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. Right. We can always justify those things we do, even horrible things, because, well, if you only knew. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we always justify our actions as being for the ultimate good uh, mm -hmm. because, because it, it serves us in some way. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, uh, but then we even judge God. Well, how, how could uh, a loving God let babies die? I, yeah. I can serve a God like that. Mm -hmm. Okay, you don't have all the information, right? You, you lack perspective to see. Uh, in the Old Testament, um, God gives um, uh, uh, Moses instruction to kill every living thing in this tribe, every man, woman, child, every animal, right? Um, and Saul, the king, doesn't do it, and so he gets in trouble. But um, how could a loving God, how is that love, right, to kill every living thing that's just uh, bloodthirsty? But, but what what if, again, I don't know this to be the case, but what if they had Kuru, right, or some other dread disease that would ultimately have cost all of humanity? Is it, and that they were so far away um, from ever being redemptive, right, that it was a loving act to put an end to it, right, to, to prevent suffering of every living thing on the planet or, or on the plane. Um, is that not love, right? So it, without context, without Without knowing everything, you cannot know. And ultimately, what I come to is that I, I know him well enough to say he is good in all cases. And so I don't have to ask those questions uh, because I already know he's good, right? I know that everything he does is for good. And so it, and so those other things, I don't have to worry about um, these other conf seemingly conflicting things. I don't put myself in a position to judge. I don't say, oh, you're not a good God because I didn't get what I wanted. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. um, oh, I prayed for my parents to die, not to die. And, um, you know, then uh, they, they died anyway. So you don't love me, right? There's no God because my little brother died of leukemia. I know somebody who did that. His little brother um, died, got and a, a apparently a beautiful kid. Uh, and this guy um, 
kind of had a relationship or thought he did uh, with God prior, but his little brother got leukemia and he offered to trade his life and, you know, everything. And ultimately his little brother suffered and then died. Well, how could that be a loving God? I hate you. Not, not just, he didn't believe in God. He hates God. And I find mm -hmm. this is true with most atheists. They're not atheists. They're anti-theist. They don't mm -hmm. not believe in God. They, they do believe in God, but they hate him. Mm -hmm. There's a certain uh, wrestling match going on at all times that I'm, I'm aware of between, you know, we have free will. This is something that it's, it's indisputable. You can't go in and wake somebody up. They must want to wake up and uh, be reaching out. You, you can't do it for them. You can only assist them. Yep. And, and that, so, and then to blame God for that babies die and all this kind of thing, uh, that's not quite right because it's not factoring in this enormous force of humanity's free will. Absolutely. And uh, moreover, and I mean, you're bringing up a great point because free will has to do with what I believe is the, th this is why. Um, okay. So here, here's a question. And again, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself because I, I intend to address this in the, in the Genesis series that Wayne and I are doing, uh, which is there, there were some questions I had early on about, well, if, um, if you had a plan of salvation, so if, if you're outside of time and I didn't understand that previously, but I understand him to be outside of time. So he's looking at all things. So if you look at time as a, as a, a dimension, right? So then if you were looking at a map, so just imagine that you're looking at a map instead of a, a line, right? So, so you can, um, time is more of a space, right? So, um, you're, you're looking, so for example, if you say, oh, it rains a lot, well, that's true here in Seattle, but it may not be true in um, Phoenix, all right? So is it true in one place or at one time? Right, mm -hmm. things mm -hmm. things may be mutable and change, and and they are true, but they're they're true in different contexts. And mm -hmm. so, the fact that he sees it um, as a specific location, right, mm -hmm. uh, like on a map, um, and says, "Hey, this is going to happen here." Did he make that happen, right, or or did he just see it because he's outside of time? Mm -hmm. uh, so, so if you see that, um, let's say, you, you, why would you make Lucifer if you're or, or like the devil or whoever? Um, why would you make this creature if you know he's going to fall? right? And rebel and then cause death and harm. Why would you allow that? And why wouldn't you just kill him to start with? And then uh, why would you allow mankind to fall? And then if you did and you said, okay, I've got this plan of salvation. I'm going to give, um, I'm going to come and die in your place, right? For that. Um, so why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just fix it right then? Snap your finger. Why? Why? What's the point here, right? This just all seems so conflicting and contradictory. So, but now I better understand the, this idea, right? Is that when he made all these things, uh, and, and specifically, I see um, Junior, um, Jabro, right, Yeshua, however you want to call that, the the first fruit of creation, the first thing that God created was to pull a part of Himself out at a risk, uh, from what I understand, is the risk to His own His own being, like literally pulled a piece of Himself out to be another living thing, um, and, and that was His first attempt at creation, and He made Himself again um but, but that this person then um made in the same way a holistic little piece of um the universe to live inside this bubble that, that we live in now uh, made all things and said we're going to make um a version of us a mini me right so uh and then he said they said let us make man in our own image right male and female um you know made he them and so he makes a mini v a mini me version made uh, up of mud, right? Uh, made a part of it. He made us um, out of the elements here and said, hey, I'm going to make them just like us and give them the power to create life. Mm -hmm. When he did that and he gave us the keys to the kingdom, right? Then then we handed it over through disobedience. Uh, and so um, there. Uh, then if he had taken it back, 
he wouldn't, that would have never been a gift, right? He, he, he would have been a lie to say, I'm giving it to you and then take it back. Mm-hmm. Right. Can't do that. And mm-hmm. so um, what he's got to do is to say and, and so we go back to this idea of, of here's the original argument, the, the charge that the enemy has against dad, which is if you give me free will and then I choose to not serve you or disobey you. And then the ultimate choice of that is death as punishment. Mm-hmm. Right. Then that's not really free will, is it? That's enslavement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a good legal argument. Mm-hmm. It really is a great legal argument. But the but the truth of the matter is when you separate from perfection, you are now imperfection. And the ultimate end of that is destruction and death. It's not, it's not a punishment. It's the natural result. It's consequence, right? So when you separate from love, you have the, ab- when you separate from light, it's darkness. It's just the natural result. And so being perfect and, and then making you into perfection and you say, I don't want that. I want imperfection. No, don't do that. Right. So um, and so this is what I see, for example, even in the command, don't eat at the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Wasn't this arbitrary test like a setup? Like I always saw it. It's like, oh, it's like this setup. Like, you know, he's going to do it because you tell the kid, don't look in the box. What's the first thing to do? Look at the box. Right. <laughs> You're keeping the good stuff from me. Right. I want to know the good stuff. Um <laughs> It wasn't that. So so the way I see it is that this place was balanced so perfectly in the head of a pin that ultimately, right, don't touch that. It's a warning. It's it's not, um, it, don't touch it because you'll break it, right? The day you do it, you'll surely, surely die. Well, the serpent says, oh, see, am I dead? Are you, did you die? No, you didn't die, right? But if you put a grain of sand in an engine, the day you do that, it's dead. Now, it might run 20,000 miles before it dies, but the day you put that grain of sand in the engine, it's dead. Right. It's done. Mm-hmm. And the same thing is true uh, here. Right. You touch that. You broke the balance. Right. It was balanced perfectly in the head of a pen. As soon as you do that, it gets off balance and it's going to die. Right. And mm-hmm. so ultimately at that point, and this is where I always struggled with the, uh, the beginning of Genesis chapter four. So then God says, now that they've um, reached out their hand and, and eaten of the tree of uh, good and evil. And now be, and what was the lie of the serpent? Right. So the, the everybody goes, oh, that you'll be like God. No, he says right there, they have become like one of us, knowing good from evil. Right. So that wasn't a lie. But then he says, we can't let him reach out and uh, grab the, the tree of life lest he live forever. Well, what is he jealous? <laughs> right. Oh, well, you, we, you can't handle the competition like that seems so weird. But what I understood is that, again, now being separate and in a place of a fallen state to live forever would be torture. Right. Imagine Adam living now. And seeing the result of everything that had come from the result of his actions, Mm -hmm. uh, the torture that that would be. So death becomes, uh, although we fear it, right? And it seems the ultimate punishment because it's in our heart to live forever. um, It's a gift, right? Yeah, this morning. Rest, rest. Yeah. I was listening to Jordan Fultz this morning and uh, his, the, the topic of his thing, I highly recommend his interview here on this channel and also his channel, uh, Puppy Aesthesia, I guess it's called. And uh, he's talking about the right to die because that's a little bit where we're at right now in the trajectory is that we're losing that, right? Like, you know, the, all these people out there keeping us safe. Like, what is that, right? First of all, it's not keeping us safe at all. It's a lie. And, uh, and you know, and, and it's preserving life at all cost, you know, so you can see, and then, and then the, the psychopaths and their reputation for wanting to find this eternal life and adrenochrome and all that corruption. And and that is, uh, you know, that even just to have it phrased the right to die, it was such a big aha moment for me this morning. Yeah. 
and and again with the like again forced vaccinations like uh or or even for example that um uh they uh certain things are verboten what you can't eat mushrooms you can't eat or ingest things that come from the earth uh because why it mm-hmm. might in the veil so you see that there's truth out there right yeah. um you know even even um you know it's funny that uh, mind-altering chemicals they've outlawed all of them except for alcohol which is the kind of the one thing that isn't really that helpful. I mean, it attracts entities. Exactly. Right. So yeah, that one's okay. Do that. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, marijuana, THC, um, you know, even, uh, peyote or, you know, ayahuasca. Nope. Nope. Can't do that. That, Mm -hmm. That's, that's bad. Right. And that we, we put, um, morality on it, right. That you're a, you're a broken, bad person. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking for answers outside yourself. So uh, again, these are all, these are fascinating topics, right? And I think mm-hmm. um, all of them require, from my perspective, right, the context of the relationship um, with the ultimate king. And on the, on the, we talk about the king's journey of uh, the hero. The, to me, the ultimate hero, right, is um, the one who made us. And, and um, I have, uh, like, when I look around, I see that, you know, we have this uh, axiom and this, it's a truism, right? That um, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And here I see that the most powerful being beyond my imagination. And yet conversely, rather than being all the things that you would imagine a very powerful being to be is exactly the opposite, which is the very definition of love. Right? Mm-hmm. How do those things exist together? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, I mean, ultimately when you get to know him, it only makes sense that he, once they knew everything they would understand um that 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 um and this is why i think that again he split himself into two halves this male and female persona right of um truth and justice and sort of this rightness and but also grace and compassion and um uh and this nurturing side right that yeah. one, one isn't really doesn't really work without the other right so truth on its own and, and discipline um is harsh without love right mm-hmm. and, so it mm-hmm. needs this balance. It needs, needs, it's meaningless, right? One without the other, just like science without spirituality is meaningless, right? And, and spirituality without science is blind. And if we come back, yeah. And if we come back to the King archetype, the, the King without God is uh, um, a psychopath, right? Yeah. Yes. Like they, they, they get, they get power and they uh, are the source of it. And it creates this eternal hunger. That's the shadow of practically every archetype that it has this uh, vacuum of energy and it all it knows to do is consume and to find more, to get more power, to get more, more control. And it has no accountability whatsoever. There's no uh, check force of, of any kind. They are the ultimate. I have, actually have a, a close friend and colleague that has recently passed away, very powerful King archetype. And uh, you know, it wasn't a hundred percent, but they were a tyrannical kind of ruler. And they suffered a lot of problems and died very young. And I, I mean, I don't want to be very presumptuous and say I know why he died, but that was I, I kept seeing that about uh, about him. And he had the idea had the ideal of God in his life, but I don't feel like he had that as an authority. Well, I can speak to this as um, you know we spoke a little bit offline about um, you know my sperm donor, right? Um, and I feel very fortunate that you know I didn't actually meet him until I was thirty. I was glad that I did, and I understood more about myself. But um, you know his other children, he had uh, five other children, you know besides uh, me, and I was born out of wedlock and the whole thing. There's a whole story there, uh, but they don't want anything. They never didn't want anything to do with him, right? Because he was a tyrannical maniac, um, brilliant, brilliant individual, and very talented, uh, but. Um, Man, like everything that I was afraid of becoming, 
right? Um, you know, like like everything I don't want to be. And so um, when I when he began, his health began to deteriorate, and um, you know, he was on his deathbed two or three times, right? And so uh, went and saw him a couple of times because I felt instructed to, not that I wanted to, right? Like I was just being obedient. And um, but what I heard him say, right, is that he thinks he's speaking um, uh, from God. And I saw in him what I see in very many people is, is that their idea of God is really just their ego bouncing off the inside of their head. And it, it's very easy to see because their God approves of everything that they do and justifies all their action. Their God believes what they do, right? They the, Their God votes Republican or or whatever, <laughs> right? Um, they Their God um, approves of everything they do. And, and to me, I'm like, if that's your relationship, that's not God mm -hmm. uh, because my, my dad loves me. Um, and, and, but he wants me to be better than I am. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he will look at me with kind of like over his big God glasses going, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what is that? Like, really? You're going to do that? Like after, mm -hmm. after all I've shown you, you're going to do that really. Um, so, so, uh, he does not necessarily now he, he again, has grace and compassion, uh, for me, but, but he does not approve of all the things that I do. And certainly it's not the voice bouncing off the inside of my head because he's way smarter than me and always takes me to a place that's outside of my comfort zone. Uh, mm. so, so when I see people, that's a great point. If I can interrupt there, just yeah. is that's, that's the life purpose, right? That's you're forever being pushed the heck out of your comfort zone, being asked to do things that are, you think are either impossible or, or just simply that you can't do it or you wouldn't live through it or you can't handle it. So it's pretty daunting for anybody who's actually following what God tells them to do. It's, it's an act of heroism. It really is. It is. Um, well, as, as Red Fox and I said this morning, we both agreed about this. It's not, it's the simplest thing, but it's not, it's, it's the hardest thing, right? It's, it's, it's very exactly. difficult because it requires some humility, right? You yeah. got to put away your ego exactly. and your pride, uh, right? And that's kind of the original sin there of, of the fallen one is pride, right? Why and this pride? is, yeah, this, this is also the flip side, sorry to interrupt, but this is the oh. flip side before we get past the subject of, to me, this is maybe a, a, a foundational key that, that shows the difference between new age and maybe truth, like so arrogant of me to say it that way. But the, you know, the, the new age is, can, you can be literally like a skipping stone going from one culture to the next, one practice to the next, and you're searching and the, the, the big hallmark really is calling, right? They're calling on directions. They're calling on spirits. They're calling on uh, archetypes. Or, that's a big one. Right. That yeah. is a big one. And, and to me, that's a, it's a massive inversion of calling because when you, when you turn it around, the truth of it is what's calling you. God is calling you. Good call. No, that's really, that's astute. And I think again, so I know you would kind of want to focus on this new age thing. And I would just say like, again, from my perspective, and again, with that caveat, um, th again, there, there, there are some truths in there, right? Um, but but oh. here, the ultimate difference, and I would say, um, certainly with my understanding of following the way versus almost every other form of religion or spirituality, is, is that nearly every version of spirituality involves um, a practice of sort of, uh, the ultimate goal is a sort of self-apotheosis, that I am going to become myself God. Mm -hmm. And I do this through a, a process of self-improvement, self-denial, uh, or or even if you're on the left-hand path, right, and, and you choose, um, you know, the, the magic wick away, right? Um, so so uh, all, uh, you know, uh, to thine own self be true, right? And um, do as thou wilt. Uh, but as long as, you know, I'm going to kind of, you know, 
supposedly, you know, improve or do things to, for my own benefit. Um, but ultimately, all these things come uh, as a result of your own efforts, right? That you're going to um, uh, you're going to raise yourself up. Right and become a transcendent being, and, and w when I see you, the opposite is true. That um, although it does require effort from the individual, uh, everything that happens uh, that has happened to improve me, and, and I hope to think that I, I'm improving with you know each passing day um, by becoming closer uh, to um, the heart of Dad. Uh, but it is his calling, right? As you said, his calling. So he invites me to a place better. And then I, I journey and endeavor to journey to get closer to him, right? Mm -hmm. And usually this involves letting go, not mm -hmm. reaching out and grabbing, right? Or building, lifting myself up, but mm -hmm. simply following his lead and, and doing the things that are difficult and letting go of myself. Um, mm -hmm. th those are the primary differences, right? So one on the one hand is you doing it yourself, right? And reaching the state of apotheosis. And, and the other hand is to um, see yourself in the context of this is perfection and this is how far I am from perfection, um, which is on the one hand devastating to see how um, put yourself in context with right with the creator, but but that you can move for him be, toward him because he loves you. Right. As, as as different as you are and as minuscule as you might be in comparison, um, he doesn't lord that over you. You know, he says, come here. Right. And so if you begin moving toward him, that's the area of improvement. And mm -hmm. so you're being drawn in. Mm -hmm. rather than um, struggling, right, um, and, and to fighting to go upstream. So, I mean, yes. if you want to use, use this word picture, you really just let go and go with the flow, really, if that flow is drawing you toward him. Although nice. it does take some effort. Um, again, most of it is is self-denial to a degree. Um, so but could I jump in? Yeah, anytime. Beth, really, you <laughs> let me go, I will just not stop. So, <laughs> please, so please jump in, yes. Because it's one of those spiritual new ageisms that it's all perfect, right? Like that you, oh, the, you know, the children are dying and the famine is coming and, but it's all perfect. And this is one I would love to hear your take on, because I just think there's so much bullshit in there that, you know, that, oh, that person, they, they got born into that. This was, this was interesting to, to have had a client who had been through unbelievable abuse, like actually unspeakable. I, I really couldn't even say most of of uh, what she had been through, the, the vast majority. I even, you know, I, I regret having heard the things that she'd been through, right? And and then so I'm struggling with a, a paradigm that works about 99% of the time with that, you know, there there is a certain choice at every level. We have free will and we've been given this power to choose even our birth, right? And that might be more of that new age bullshit, but I don't, I don't even really know yet. And uh and uh, she was taking it in, and there was a certain there was a certain kind of a thing that there's something no, there's something actually different going on here. And uh, you know, while we don't want anyone to be in a place of feeling the victim, I I think there are true victims. So what's what's your take on this whole it's all perfect thing? Yeah. Um... Well, let me start here, right, with the victim mentality, and I'll kind of move toward the. And, and if I get distracted, remind me and just pull me back, right? Just, just reel me back in. Yeah. Um, but, but it's often been said, it's not what happens to you; it's what happens in you. And there are some people, right, who have had horrible, unspeakable things happen that are difficult to hear, and yet 
uh, somehow they reach up from inside them and become stronger for it. And there are other people who um, had everything handed to them. Uh, and somehow as a child, they had their, their ice cream cone fall off their, their, the ice cream fall off their cone and they're, uh, they're forever damaged by that. You know, they have trauma for the rest of their life over it. So um, yeah. it, it largely happens um, again, how, what you do with, with what happens. Um, but, but this idea that everything's, you know, perfect. Uh, I mean, Here's my observation, and again, with the caveat that this is how I see it, but my observation is that what I, the world I see around us, again, in contrast to the idea of evolution, is in fact de devolution, or that um, what we see is perfection broken. And um, and I see that same thing in myself, right? So ultimately, with the through the through the mirror and the reflection of seeing my Creator, um, so He He shows me that I am far more than I ever imagined myself to be because I knew the broken parts in me. I'm His image. I'm His kid. So I have all these things that are awesome, but I'm also in a world that is broken and damaged. And, and I have uh, many things that wounded me as a child that were not my fault, right? I, I have not responded. So it, quickly, I'll give, um, I was in counseling myself for a while after a broken relationship. And I had taken on many of the, um, the characteristics that the other person in the relationship was accusing me of. Now, um, I should have known better that they were less than a year out of a 12-year alcoholic abusive relationship. So, of course, they hadn't healed from that, and so they were going to transfer the um, the actions of the other person that they had been married to onto me. Right? I mean, I should have known better. Um, you know, but okay. So, <laughs> mistakes were made. This is a time ago, right? Um, but but anyway, so I had taken on some of those characteristics and, and believed those things about myself, that what she had said about me, that were not true. And so, um, as part of this, um, you know, healing process and, and kind of going through, I got, um, you know, a better, a better look at, um, I don't know how to put it. I'm, I'm kind of struggling with not, I don't want to give away too much. And again, I don't want to, um, I don't want to speak bad about other, other people, even those who have harmed me. But, but, but anyway, my, my counselor said, Hey, um, you know, you might benefit from this book, um, adult children of alcoholic parents. And, uh, I'm like, well, my parents were teetotalers, so <laughs> that's not much benefit. Right. She's like, now sickness is sickness is sickness. It doesn't matter what the cause of the, uh, of the sickness, it all behaves the same way. Right on. So I read this book and, and, and my first reaction was a horror at first that I saw absolutely these characteristics in it. Mm -hmm. uh, but then I thought, okay, I'm not as screwed up as I thought because um, I just thought these were things in me completely broken that I could never fix. I, they were always areas that I would bump up against when trying to do self-improvement. And I would always bump into these places that were just messed up. And so I thought I was, you know, just, it, just broken. Um, so I realized, okay, so now I, I understand it. And then I realized, and this is the point that I came to, was that the causes of it weren't my fault. But now that I knew about it, it was my responsibility to change it. Perfect. Right. And so um, so it was with it was my will, right? My choice to do with. Uh, so I, I'm not going to blame my parents, for example. And here's one thing I didn't learn until later. Right. So so the quick backstory is that as damaged as, for example, my parents, and I'll say primarily my mom, I hope she's not listening because I don't want to take her, take it wrong because I don't, I don't blame her for this. I mean, it, it, there's just stuff that happened, right? I mean, everybody does their best and sometimes that's not, if yeah. they don't get fixed, right? Hurt people, hurt people, right? They don't, yeah. they don't know no, why. Par and parents have to screw up their kids. It, it's a contract. Yeah, it sort of seems that way. <laughs> so she didn't understand, right, that, there, that this family dynamic, like I learned very early on, don't speak about anything in the family. You're never to speak about anything, right? So family secrets right away. Although we didn't have like alcoholism or, you know, abuse of that kind, right? There was emotional stuff going on, but there was no physical or sexual abuse. There was nothing like that. Mm -hmm. um, but, but there was some dynamic there, right, that made it difficult. Well, 
what my mom did not know until her mother was um, uh, having senile dementia and just about to die was um, that uh, her, my mother's grandmother, so my great grandmother, um, her and her husband, they were full-blooded Cherokee Indians. And uh, during that period of time, in fact, up until the 1920s, um, it was not only legal, but you could in Oregon, in the state of Oregon, um, you could get what was called a head tax. If you brought in a pair of ears or a scalp of a native of person, you could take it to a post office and get $15, which was a lot of money in the, in the 1920s. Um, so it, it was open season. So it was very not cool, <laughs> right? To be, so now everybody's all like, Ooh, I'm a native American. I'm you know, Cherokee or Choctaw or whatever. Um, it was very not cool. Uh, but Cherokee are kind of, unusual and they they do seem to bear a lot of um uh they comport to a lot of things um that's consistent with um maybe one of the lost tribes of israel i'm not making any claims but they they a lot of their uh, mythology is very similar to that and uh, very different than the other uh, native tribes so there's just a lot of things in there a tree of god and um uh, seven and bathing and ritual cleanliness and kosher and all this sort of stuff anyway without getting too deeply into that um so they were ashamed of it and they, they but they also um my grandmother was redheaded with green eyes uh and pale skin and, and my grandfather on that side was blonde and they were both full-blooded Cherokee um, and so they hid that and they passed as Irish right uh, my grandma great-grandmother learned to talk with a little bit of, she knew some Irish gal and she learned to talk with an Irish brogue they moved uh, to a different place like St. Louis or something and um, uh, so they passed as Irish and um, and but they were very hidden about it. They were terrified that people were going to find out um, who they really were. And so this became the family sickness that um, down to the third, now fourth generation. Right. So it got to my mom and my mom knew nothing of it. She knew nothing about that. Um, and, and yet it affected even me and my siblings, um, this sickness that we, we didn't even know why. <laughs> Right. We didn't even know the cause of it because my mom didn't even know the cause of it. And yet here we are suffering uh, the negative effects. Right. So the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation is absolutely true. Um, so these sicknesses do prevail. So all the way back to all that to get here. Right. Which is this book that uh, helped me out was I, I took responsibility uh, for, um, for for these broken areas. Right. So it stops with me. <laughs> right. So I now um, it wasn't my fault but I take responsibility for changing it, right? Um, and, and because I have the information now I could do something about it, I have better insight. But ultimately it's not about me doing it, right? It's that me being aware of it and going, okay, dad, help me right here because I, I know that I'm, I've got these issues, right? And I have unhealthy uh, coping mechanisms as a result, mm -hmm. right? So to, to better see it. Yeah, would you say then, Baldini, that uh, you know, the new age would say that you are the creator and would Absolutely. you- so, yeah. would, but but would you frame it that you are a co-creator with God? Do you do yes. you talk about it that way? Yeah, I, I would I would say that's a perfect way to put it, Beth. Mm -hmm. That um, we when we were given made many me right in, in this plane of existence, and, and that we were given uh, the keys to the kingdom of this uh, miniature version of create of all of the, the kingdom. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's like a little chip of it. It's a knockoff. It's a holor uh, holographic image of it. Um, so that yes, that that uh, the way I see it again, this is my view um, that the universe was designed to uh, respond to our will and to manifest our will into being. That we were meant to speak things into being as though that th speak things that were not as though they were uh, and to call them into being right and i think that's even how magic works even dark magic right is um uses those same principles but it has to take extra steps like blood and sacrifice and things like that and to get supernatural uh, help to do it because um it, it's uh, going contrary to the original design um, but we were designed to be co-creators yes with him uh to develop this new thing in harmony with what his original designs were but yes the, the new age uh, philosophy of it 
right? It is that we're all powerful and that we will have this apotheosis of don't know that that word basically is that we're going to become God, right? That, that we will elevate ourselves to a state of enlightenment or Christ consciousness, which to me, again, um, devalues who the person of Yeshua was, that he really was um, the first fruit of creation. He was a part of God just pulled out from him uh, that then incarnated to um, help rejoin us um, and to to bridge that gap because of what had happened, right? Uh, to, to save us. And so I know people struggle with the idea of a, of a savior and all that. And uh, But I think pride gets in the way. I think if you really saw the the way it's laid out uh, and, and what he tried to do and, and is still trying to do, I think it would have maybe a different perspective because I see the enemy constantly um, trying to pervert it and make it into something it's not so that we won't want it, right? We'll want to run away from it. Um, but ultimately, I think you've, you've nailed it, that we are co-creators with him, um, that he made us to, to be as he was, to create and to bring life um, and, and to speak things into existence and to be as he was and is um, to desire um, relationship of such a level that we want to be intimate and to know and be known and to love and be loved and that we need this. Um, mm -hmm. So anyway, that's, um, that is my, again, my view. Um, and that we, and so the new age, again, view of it is that you are the powerful being uh, and, and that you can through knowledge and through um, practices um, develop yourself to a place that's going to be above others and that you can elevate yourself to a place of Christ consciousness and then become something more. Um, and I think that is part of the lie. And, and much of that is done through these spirit guides. And that really, I think, is where the danger is, because um, as much as I see that the, the father wants to lead you um, very in terms of angelic beings, right, they're never going to do what's outside of the um, what's outside of the desire of the father and they're not going to come give you uh, information on uh, your own accord uh, so if you've got these spirit guides who claim to be aliens or claim to be enlightened beings from the past or or from atlantis or whatever i'm telling you right now um be, be very suspect of that because um the, the evidence is that they're lying to you, right? We, we want to believe it badly, just like people want to believe um, the lies that are told to them because it's comforting. Uh, mm -hmm. but, that, but I don't think, I mean, again, I'm not going to tell you what's right for you, but I'm saying um, th that that is most likely a lie, right? It, it's playing upon your desire to be special, right? And to give you special knowledge and that you're going to be somebody better and you're going to be a God. Um, mm -hmm. And that's um, that's a lie, right? So that's the, that's the original lie. You're going to be like God and you're going to know good from evil, right? And you're going to live forever. Mm -hmm. and, so, and so there's the combo lie. Yes, you'll be like God, and we already worry. We're made in his image, right? Mm -hmm. But then now you become the judge and the arbiter of good and evil, and you become the judge rather than letting God decide mm -hmm. um, and to learn because you didn't have the experience, right? You don't have this perspective to see. And so if you, you how can you be a judge if if you um, don't if you lack the information, right? You're going to make poor decisions. And mm -hmm. so you need the information. And we're going to go to get that information. You're going to go to somebody who's lying to you, who has mm -hmm. ulterior motives. You're going to go to somebody who loves you and only wants wants you to be better and who for sometimes for your own benefit says you don't need to know that right that doesn't have anything to do with you right that, that's not your journey you work on you right and then and then come to me right L later we'll deal with that later totally um, hey rose just made a comment uh, if jesus is real he's totally ghosting me and i would love to we're, we're getting down to uh, our last 35 minutes 34 minutes now yeah. And I would love to talk about Jesus in the context of the New Age movement. So, you know, to sure. me, Jesus was somebody always that was, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't refute them. They were one of the ascended masters. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there was there was a certain respect, but they, but it's more like Jesus was in this category with all of, you know, including my own guru, who of <laughs> course was found out to be a sexual abuser, a pedophile, yeah. probably a murderer. And, uh, you know, yeah, exactly. 
pretty gross stuff. And uh, but interestingly, you know, since I went down the rabbit hole and started realizing how I'd been calling on everything, you know, what, like we talked about before, I had attracted a lot of entities in my world, and suddenly I was under attack, or or at least I was finally aware I was under attack. Might be more accurate. And there was something that, uh, you know, I had a, a good friend just mention a podcast, so I listened to it, and it was uh, somebody who was actually, this is my phrase, he wasn't saying it this way, but he was demon slaying, so he would go and work with people who are extremely far gone, you know, into drugs and crime and uh, seriously into evil stuff, and uh and then, you know, would call on Jesus as a way to to manage it. So after that, every single time, and of course, it's always the middle of the night when when I, I felt attacked, and I just started to say, hey, Jesus, could you handle this for me? Mm -hmm. There was no premeditated, like nobody taught me to do this, but there was like this instantaneous, and I just it just happened to me right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? And there's, there's this opening and this uh, dissolving of any sense of there being anything evil going on at all. Uh, you know, so. I, I mean, I hear I hear where you're going with it. And part of me wants to say, I mean, the proof is in the pudding, right? So even people who have no experience with it, who suddenly get, you know, what you want to call it, night terrors or you know, you say demonic attacks in the middle of the night, right? I mean, whether, however you want to call it, um, mm -hmm. with no, with no experience whatsoever, without even a belief system, they call out on the name of Jesus. And, uh, and again, people will say, well, the, the letter J didn't exist, right? So Yeshua is the way to say it or whatever. Um, doesn't seem to matter, right? The, the, the enemy seems to know who it is and don't like it and they will run at that name. And, and so it's often been said, you know, within Christian circles that there's power in the name of Jesus. And I, I, I believe that in part, not because they, told me, right? I don't have a belief system. I don't have a Christian belief system that's full of, um, you know, the, the little terms and idioms that they use and that sort of stuff. It's just not, that's just not how I, um, you know, that, that how I uh, approach it. That's not, um, I don't know, that didn't work for me, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so when it comes to the person of Jesus, I think, um, firstly, there, there does seem to be some historical evidence, right, that there was this guy. Um, and then whatever you think about him after that. Now, many people do, especially, again, even in the New Age movement, right, they'll kind of combine a bunch of things. And they will kind of um, tend to want to deny the divinity of Jesus, but say, but he's a good guy, he's a good teacher, like you said, like he's a, uh, an elevated being or um, reached Christ consciousness, much like um, Krishna consciousness or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, he's a good teacher, an elevated guy, a prophet, if you will. Um, but but if you read the words of what Jesus said, now again, people can claim that the um, scripture has been tainted. And I think to some degree, in small places, I think that that may be true because of who had control over it for a long period of time. Uh, but, but again, I, I read it as, um, you know, people who uh, had an, uh, an encounter with um, the deity. And it was uh, to such a degree that they tried to uh, take extraordinary measures to, to write it down and record it. Uh, and um, has it been manhandled over time? Probably, uh, but I, but I think that again, if it's an, I find it an open invitation um, to to make contact with your creator, and once you do that, the rest of it doesn't matter. Discernment will tell you what is good and what is bad. Uh, but when it comes to the person of Jesus, if you read what he said about himself, right? Um, so he, you you have these choices, right? He claimed to be the son of God. He claimed to be um, procreation and the sacrifice for sin, and, and the only true way uh, to to get in contact with, with God, um, and, and um, so, right, we're left with this. Either he was delusional or he was a liar or he was who he said he was. Or he, 
Or his words were just completely taken out of uh, context and changed. Maybe. Like, I mean, okay. So, so maybe, right. Um, but here's my understanding. And again, I think this would be a topic for another conversation is why is there a need for a, a savior at all? What, what, what's the purpose there? Why, why would that, um, why would that be necessary? And, and why do we, why would we need a savior? Right. Many people struggle with that. Um, and I, I think I can explain it now better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think that, again, many people, even I would say even, but especially within the Christian community, are have a misapprehension about that. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're told is, through the Christian tradition, that because of original sin, um, we're stained and um, we're doomed to death and to burn eternally in hell. Mm-hmm. And to be saved from that, we need to call the name of Jesus and then we'll get our card stamped and then everything's good. Right? <laughs> um, and that's a gross oversimplification. Again, like everything else, there's truth in it um but but that's not the truth not like that mm-hmm. uh, and so um uh, but you know even jesus clearly said that there are sheep that are not of this fold right so in other words um it's not for you to decide right so so here's the um and people who are anti-christian often pull this one out of their pocket and they go if you ask a devout christian um will a muslim be in hell right and according to christian christian tradition if jesus is the um, the, the way the truth and the life then uh, anybody who doesn't accept jesus they're going to hell so it's an uncomfortable question for them because if they answer honestly they have to say according to their tradition yes a muslim person is going to hell so and, just, and a baby that died before right. they left. Oh, okay, exactly right so so what do we do with that and so is that a loving god is that really a, a, a you know like um gandhi is supposed to is credited to him i like your christ i just don't like your christians right so mm-hmm. and i often say the biggest obstacle to christianity are christians um for, and largely for for this reason um and many of them uh, frankly don't know what they believe i mean that what they believe what they've been told um mm-hmm. but but they don't know for themselves they don't know they don't read the book it's sometimes it's a difficult read the bible can be awkward um, strange. Um, and so, um, so my view on, again, the person of Jesus is that, um, I have a personal relation. I mean, again, me personally, I have a, they say, again, I I said this this morning, um, it's been said that when you talk to God, you're praying. And when God talks to you, right, you're, you're schizophrenic, right? You're psychotic. Um, you're hearing voices. Um, and, and that's not necessarily true because I do, um, hear directly from, from the creator, but I also identify the creator in different personas. I, I know the difference between dad and who I would say mom, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, um, and and Jesus, this person, different person. And, and they're distinct and different. I will say my experience with dad directly, like the creator, um, is fairly limited and very intimidating. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time I encountered him, I thought he was going to kill me. Seriously. I thought I was going to die just from being in his presence. It was like, holy shit. Oh, my God. What are you doing here? Right. Wow. Uh, that was it, it blew, blew my mind. I was like, "Oh God, I'm going to die!" Like, and so I clearly understood why in Scripture it says that uh, anytime one of these, um, you know, uh, supernatural beings show up, the first thing they said is, "Be not afraid!" Right? Don't don't be afraid. Um, I, I understand that very clearly now because that's that was my reaction. Like, mm-hmm. oh, uh, yeah. this is bad news. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, bad, bad news. Um, I'm in trouble. Um, mm-hmm. and, it, and it didn't turn out that way. So, but my experience directly with dad in his presence is, is fairly limited. Um, uh, but the comforter quite a bit, uh, but primarily Jay, who I call J bro, right. He's my, he's my brother, um, uh, to that degree, but he's also very godly, um, and expresses to me the desires and wishes of dad and, and under, helps me understand his heart. Um, so um, I very clearly recognize um, the, the to me the truth in the resurrected person of Jesus that 
was here, died, and uh, was resurrected. Um, and why many people struggle with the idea of there being a Jesus, right? Because he, he's expressly said, I'm going to be a stumbling block for many. And I can't count the number of people who have even uh, in the flat earth community, they come to the idea that, okay, it is a creed. And they, they were atheist or anti-theist before. And they come to this idea of, could the, the, we are a created being. We're in a created world. It's clearly obvious. And I can see that there is a loving creator, but Jesus, nah, I'm, just, I'm not good with that. Um, and, and, it, and it's an odd thing. Um, I, I think that again, in part because of Christianity, as a religion, there's a, I think, a definite reason for that. But, but, but ultimately, if you look at it uh, for what it is, it's an odd thing to be uncomfortable with what he's really saying and asking of you, at least from my perspective, which is um, consider the idea that, uh, again, before you were born, um, you're, let's say uh, your mom somehow got uh, thamalide or, right, or drank a poison. And, and so you were born poisoned and it's going to kill you. And somebody comes along and says, hey, I've got an antidote for that. Uh, all you got to do is take it. Right. Mm -hmm. well, what do you want for it? I got how much does it cost? Nothing. Just, just take it. No, no, it's there's no such thing as a free lunch, right? Tanstoffel. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. so, so what do you what do you want? What's it gonna cost me? What do I have to do? What what's the catch? Well, okay. The the really the catch is is just um get to know me and like be in a relationship with me. Okay, that, that seems, you know, I guess easy enough or whatever, but um, we, we resist this idea, right? So it's like, okay, we're on, uh, so you, you don't want to take that, you don't want to take that because you're afraid of it. Or uh, many people say, oh, well, there's this, it's a soul trap, right? That um, we're going to get into this trap of being reincarnated again or whatever. Man, I, I don't know. I mean, I, again, I say for certain, I don't know, um, you know, uh, what, um, I, I know for certain that I don't know for certain, right? So there's a lot of things, um, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. well, really you know, I would say, I see you, Matt Z, and I, I see what you're saying, but um, it's experience, right? Again, I'm not trying to convince you or, or um, convert you. I'm telling you my, my experience. Mm -hmm. uh, and he identifies himself as that same guy. So mm -hmm. I'm gonna take his word for it. He's been right about everything else. Yeah. <laughs> so, so why would I ignore him saying that's me? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, it, it just isn't. I mean, again, you're it's OK with me. That you believe that it doesn't offend me. I don't I don't think you're a bad person or an evil person because you, you don't um, you know, you, you don't think that I'm just telling you. Honestly, though, this is um, this is my experience, right? And he identifies himself in that way. So why would I discount him or say no? You can't be that because I, I don't like this. Or um, I think it's funny. Here's here's what I think is funny: is people go, oh, um, the uh, the Bible is a book written by men. Okay, where'd you get that idea from? A book, <laughs> right? Written by a guy. All right. So, um, you know, which one's the bestseller? I don't know. Um, which one has wisdom in it? Right. So if you, if you go, if you have no experience with, with God at all, just go read, um, the book of Proverbs, right? There's 31 chapters. Um, so there's one for every day of the month and a 31 uh, day month, read one chapter every day. And if you don't like anything it says about God, ignore that part, read the rest and tell me it doesn't most concisely and insightfully tell you about the nature of man and life on this earth. It's, it's the, one of the wisest things I've ever seen. Um, and so there's wisdom there, whether whether you like what it says spiritually or not. Um, mm -hmm. Again, I'm not the arbiter of truth, and I'm not telling you what is true. I'm telling you, here's my experience, and here's what I've come uh, to understand, and this is what has been... Um, in in my experience here, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me, and it's exposed me to love in a in a um, in a in a way that I have never experienced otherwise, or um, or better than, and it helps me care more about other people. So how is that wrong? I, I don't I don't see um, I, I don't see the harm in that, right? Yeah, so, beautiful. Uh, hey, uh, Rose has a comment here just about the praying five times a day and the rituals and ceremonies and all that kind of thing. That uh, you know, it's it, it's almost if I could talk about it first to me it, it feels like 
that's something that actually the new age has either adopted from religion or uh, mirrors or it has a parallel about and people get really caught up in those kind of things like i'm actually somebody who i do no ritual i do i actually don't host ceremonies i've done i i had full moon gatherings but they were literally just a gathering there's no nothing ceremonial about it there's for for me the those things they just hold no appeal even though i feel like i've got an incredibly intimate relationship with god i know by the way at this stage of my life after looking into it since i was i don't know you know three or something like that i know less than i ever knew all i know is my relationship with god. that's all i know and i know when i call on jesus when i'm in trouble it helps it helps that's, like that's just that's what it comes down to but uh what do you what do you think about all the rituals and ceremonies you know, I'm, I'm, I think I'm of a mixed bag. I, I feel like um, to some degree, right, th those who use ritual, um, that becomes their thing, right? And so I, I guess my my view of that is is if you go, um, again, if you worship the creation rather than the creator, or if, or if you think, like, here's a weird one. In church, the opening prayer is called an invocation, as though you're going to invoke or make, you're going to manipulate God into showing up. Right. right. Or, or even in church, we say, oh, oh we're going to um, the worship leader is going to lead us into worship. Right. He's going to draw. He's going to call the spirit of God. Like what? You're going to you're going to manipulate God and showing up like really like who, who do you think this is? Right. You, like, do you really think that you um, I don't know. There are there are people within the Christian community, for example, who are going to claim the promises of God. Like, OK, if I read this text and say you promise this and so now give it to me or or you're not God. Mm -hmm. Really? Like, <laughs> uh, know your place, son. Like, I, I understand your position in this relationship, right? Mm -hmm. um, and again, I don't mean to be rude about it. I'm just saying, if you really experienced the creator in a firsthand, I mean, again, this, this is my perspective because this is my experience. If you really got exposed to to who the creator is, like my one of my first experiences, I thought I was going to die. I thought it was going to literally blow me up because I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> Uh, right like uh, like so so big so intense so much so big, yeah yeah, yeah. And, and also in something of a visual way like i could see it right like so uh, i mean it's, it would take me a time to describe it and i want i want to go down that path because you know i could get verbose but um but but it, but it was a thing right and it just scared the crap out of me like terrified me um so so but even since then when when i'm in the presence of of, of the creator I recognize how small I am in comparison to that. So when you get that contrast, right, to, to behave as though you're going to um, command him to do anything is laughable, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Please, right? Mm -hmm. So, so, um, but the idea of, of ritual, uh, but I think it does. It, it is for some people very comforting, right? Um, and, and I so, for example, my, my wife being on the autism spectrum, um, ritual is for her very kind of important, right? She's got to have things in a certain way, and so even mantras, right? So even sometimes she'll do the. Um, the dude, the dune thing, right? Like fear is the little death, fear is the mind killer, and, and repeating that, um, she she's got the whole thing down, but it gives her comfort. It's a place to focus. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the scary thing kind of goes away and she can focus on the thing. Mm -hmm. and, and so I go, so the ritual is not helpful for me necessarily. And I find some people um, unhealthily focus on it. Right. That they think that somehow the ritual makes it happen. Mm -hmm. That if they, if they say the right words, if they invoke the right things, if, if they claim the right promises, that think that they're going to they're going to direct things to go in the way they want. And mm -hmm. I, I tell you, um, while the new age might teach you that you are God, you you are not God. You may be a God, like with a little G, because we're made in his image. And so we have attributes of him. We're made in his image. But 
you are not the God, right? Capital T, capital G. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you're not commanding anything, right? You can speak things into life. You can be a co-creator, but, but you're not going to tell him to do anything, right? And, and I think you're fooling yourself if you're going to, um, if you think that you're going to uh, manipulate God into anything, right? Right. Right. Popping what if, up and down three times, or uh, mm-hmm. or claiming a promise, or doing any, anything like that, you're sadly mistaken, and you're fooling yourself. Mm-hmm. So, so I do think that, um, yeah, but but there were rituals in the original instructions given and i think in some way to 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 show a kind of uh, archetype or antitype um and, and to give people a mindset so uh, again i'm a, i'm of a mixed mind that i think for some people it's helpful uh but for others just like for example the catholic church everything is ritual but it, it loses entirely the relationship mm-hmm. uh, so so i think there um people you know again i don't know i can't say what's right for everybody i will say for me it's not helpful i think for some people it's unhealthy um to a heavy degree i think for other people some rituals are helpful to them um i, I don't know uh, short answer i don't know <laughs> i mean I, I mean you know what i mean i, I guess uh, again i just think if you get caught up in the ritual and the ritualistic aspects of, of it even like spell casting right um mm-hmm. you're, you're you're invoking a thing create drawing on uh, power that isn't yours uh, to do things that are um, beneficial to you and probably of harm to others. And ultimately I think harmful to yourself if you're going to call on that kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. So, but you're using the natural powers that are out there. Okay. Those things are natural that the power isn't of itself good or evil. Uh, But, but if you use it for your own benefit at the cost of others, um, there is, I don't want to say evil, but there's self-centeredness about there that, and that is the opposite of love because love is not self-centered. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the kicker that uh, at the end of the day, if you can let go of everything that's not love, to me, that's true awakening. I think, I mean, uh, to me, yes, I, I think that the ultimate awakening, the ultimate consciousness, if you will, is to better understand the nature of love and, and the, what love is, right? And, and, and the best way I can put it is from, from my perspective, love is a person and that person is the creator and he is the very definition of love um, everything after that is sort of academic it, it breaks it down into smaller pieces and it becomes reductionism but when you put it all together um, it is more than can be defined and um, I will spend eternity hopefully um, trying to figure that out and, and I'm cool with that right like it, it's the most incredible thing it's like the the it's like the ultimate right of, of all these things put together when you put together all the things from material science philosophy um psychology when you put together every little thing they all seem to to lead to that point from from my perspective so it, it is um he, he is the very definition of, of love and love is what gives everything meaning right so all all the knowledge is um it's empty. It's worthless without the love uh, behind it. And, right. and so that to me, that that is what is important. And so when you better understand love and to me that only comes through the, in the context of a relationship with the creator, because he's the very definition of it. And so when you better understand that um, and then you can mold yourself. And I don't say even mold yourself by, by beholding you become changed. So the more time you spend in the context of, in the presence of the creator, you're going to become like that and want to be more like that. And so when it comes, for example, to doing choices, doing good or evil, will I do evil? No, not, and, and not because it's a bad thing or the, it's against the rules because it would harm dad and I don't want to harm him right like I don't want to harm my wife I'm not going to do anything um, that would hurt her knowingly that like why would I do that it would hurt me mm-hmm. so in the same way I don't want to do anything that's going to hurt him because it hurts both of us right mm-hmm. and I don't want to hurt myself because if I do that it hurts him 
right? Mm-hmm. So, so this is this. Um, so love is a continually giving thing, and I think again, most people misunderstand love as to mean having your needs met, and. Mm-hmm. and and love does meet your needs, but but it's from the giving. Once you give love, you Precisely. open up a place for it to be refilled, right? And it fills to overflowing. And so mm. the more love that I give out, um, the more I can receive because now I've let go, right? So when I let go, I've got an empty hand, right? And so now I can really receive more. And it's just, it's a continuous cycle. And it, to me, it, that is the beauty of everything. Um, and that's the the remaining beauty in the, in the ugliness that, that remains of this world. And it becomes uglier by the day. The, the one remaining thing that is beautiful is this capacity for love that we have that and that's how i see we were made in his image right there was this capacity for love and companionship and relationship um that that supersedes all things that's amazing and i think it's the perfect note to leave to leave this uh session would you join me for another one because i I absolutely all other uh talk about lots of lots of lots of questions Anytime you like, Beth, and I promise I will try to do better about, um, you know, calming down. And, and I get so, you know, I, I get so excited, right? I get passionate about these things. And I, I feel like I so rarely get to talk to them uh, about them with people who understand, right? And and that's one reason I love this society, this group that we're creating, this this community so much is because people get it, right? And so we can talk freely about these things and, and we get, um, and so I get excited about uh, about these things um, that uh, that I find beauty in and, and, um, and mean right so anytime uh that you want me to, to come and, and discuss these things i found again listening to you fascinating i'm like oh god she totally gets it right uh and, and also even places where i'm like i never thought of that i didn't see it that way or even where i go mm, i don't see it like that but i wonder why she does right because because i don't instantly go oh well she's wrong can't believe she thinks that right um my, my, that's not where I go. My instant place of going is I wonder why they think that, right? Like I wonder what experience they had that, that made them um, see it that way. Right. So um, again, the conversation I had with Red Fox before last night, before we did this morning um, was he was asking about um, empirical um, objective truth and like, okay, is we see a tree. Is that true? Is that empirical truth? And I go, well, we can agree that we both experience it, but we might see, we might experience it differently. Right. Um, so, so I leave that door open that we might be experiencing the same things differently. And so I can't say I'm right. I go, I'm what I express to you and what I describe about my journey is legitimate and it's honest, right? This is my journey and this is how I see it, mm-hmm. but I'm not discounting that other people might have a different experience or they might experience God in a different way. Um, I don't, I don't know. Right. I know that I know for certain, I don't know, but mm-hmm. I know that what I'm experiencing is authentic. Um, and, and it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. And so I'm okay talking about it, but I don't, again, I don't, I'm not evangelical about it or think that people are wrong if they don't see it that way. Well, God created endless diversity, and that's not a mistake. And more and more, I'm trying to just enjoy other people's experiences, knowing I can only have mine, and I can have a certain variety of experience in my life. But if I live through you and Rose and Mick Bow and Kelly F.E. and uh, Sue and Eric, all these people, then I get enormous satisfaction it, and it, it doesn't depend on me agreeing with them. It, it just, just the privilege of seeing through their eyes and having a taste of their experience is like, it actually is so fulfilling because otherwise I feel like I'm missing out. <laughs> that's so, that's so beautiful, Beth. And um, in just the short period of time that we've gotten to interact personally and what I've heard from you from others, I, I, I love the person that you are and um, mm-hmm. you're just a light in this world. And uh, again, anytime uh, you, you want to, um, you know, give me the honor of joining you. I, again, honor and privilege to to join with you because I um 
I love the opportunity to speak about it, right? And to, to talk to the people who are uh, interested in it, right? Um, I, I love that. And uh, uh, again, uh, I love the insights that you have. And, I, um, and again, it excites me to see, and this is more and more of what I'm finding with this awakening project, right? Is that um, so many of us begin from different places and we go through these different trails on our journey, but we all are kind of coming to this similar place, right? And and to me, that that um, increases the validity of it, right? That it, that it, it verifies uh, that we are coming to a place of, of truth and understanding that we have gone through many, many different journeys and all kinds of different rabbit trails. But when we all kind of come to the same place, um, that tells me something, right? That That's a statistically significant uh, piece of evidence, right? That, that we're on a, on a track that, that seems to be um, valid. Uh, mm -hmm. and so I love that I, I love um hearing parts of your story and uh again it parts of it are heartbreaking right and painful that you went through um, cancer and um man that's got to be uh, so difficult and um and yet again the the insights that you gained because of it i'm like see i mean it just goes to show that in the journey we don't know what's going to happen but but ultimately what we come through it's it's in that struggle um that we find meaning right and as long as we find that meaning and make something of it and share it with others i think that that's a powerful component and i i love that that's a life worth living exactly exactly so how do people find you if they want to connect or yeah, have sure. our show or something um, <laughs> oh yes well so i'll um do, plug it here again um my name here unintended consequences um you can find my channel uh i'm about to misspell it um yeah, drop it in the chat if you're if you Un can. Unintended uh, dot uh, consequences uh, three uh, at gmail.com. You can hit, reach me there uh, to join the Awakening Project or to get a free sticker. Um, it, I'm sure, um, I don't know if Sue or somebody can just drop my channel uh, in there. It's weird for me to do it myself. It shows it weird. Um, so if you want to drop it in there, or you can just find me um, afterwards. I think you can just click on the side and you can find my channel. Um, and I'll put it in the notes below as well. Okay, perfect. Yeah, perfect. That's that's perfect. And then, uh, so I do a live stream every Saturday morning at nine uh, Pacific, uh, noon Eastern, every Saturday morning, uh, you know, like an hour and a half or two hours. Um, mm -hmm often talking like I did today with people who are uh, part of the Awakening Project and discussing their journey, right, uh, mm -hmm. to discover truth, uh, as well as just exploring these ideas. Uh, and then every Tuesday and Thursday morning, I join Rose 777 on her channel, Rose 777. And again, you can find her pretty easily. Um, she's all over the place. We do mm -hmm. the Poppycock Report um, early, uh, 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern, uh, you know, about an hour is all I can put into it during the week. But uh, we look at, uh, kind of take a humorous look at the, the Poppycock that we're being shown and, and breaking down a little bit the nature of the lies. And then uh, with Wayne uh, McCroy, who has uh, the alchemical tech revolution, uh, his channel, but he joins me on my channel. Um, we've just started a new thing Sunday mornings at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. Oh, um, wow where we're looking into um, scripture. And we, st we started at the beginning. Uh, this last week, we looked at the, the very beginning of Genesis. Um, he can only join semi-weekly. Uh, so in between, um, so uh, like tomorrow, I'll be doing like a Q&A session and kind of recapping what we did last week and answering questions. And then the next week he'll join us and we'll move another step forward. Um, it actually began from he and I having discussions offline about some stuff I discovered in the book of Revelation all the way at the very end. And I said, um, have you seen this? And he's like, whoa. And I'm like, I know, right? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, I know. Right. <laughs> and so we were just kind of back bouncing. And we both have a long history of studying scripture. And so it was kind of new to us. And we, he was like, I wonder if people would be interested in this. I'm like, I'm willing to do it if you are. So we decided we'd do it knowing that some people are, you know, very, um, 
nah, they're not into it. So we're like, you know, if you want to join us, fine. We're not, we're not twisting anybody's arm there. Uh, but, but certainly um, it, people have been interested and appreciative of that. But we decided to start at the beginning. Uh, so we went all the way back to the book of Genesis and um, try to explain as best we can how we see it. And he and I don't, uh, you know, see everything exactly the same. But, but we don't argue, right? We, I mean, he gets to see it how he sees it. I get to see it how I see it. And we explain to each other how we see it. I think that that's perfect. That's beautiful. Like looking at things different ways, I think it gives us better insight, right? And better understanding. So anyway, that's where you can find me, um, you know, all over the place these days. And um, yeah, so I hope to see you. And then uh, I'd love to have you uh, on my channel someday and just uh, tell me about your own awakening journey um, so that people know that they're not alone, right? That's, that's part of why I do it is so that people know that as isolated as they may feel, um, they're not alone in this. And uh, um, uh, and that we're all um, together. You know, I hate to say it, we're all in this together because if I never hear that again, <laughs> I'll be done. They but, ruined that phrase. Oh. They did. But um, <laughs> I'm so honored that you that you asked me, and I've um, had such a delightful time with you, Beth. You're um, a beautiful person. I can just tell your spirit is just shining. So um, mm -hmm. I love that you're helping. Uh, you spend your time helping and coaching other people. And um, again, that that tells a world uh, to me about um, your intentions and, and what you're here for. So uh, keep that up. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Totally appreciate that. Thank you to everyone in the chat who's been here. If you are interested in something like coaching, I have programs, The King Hero's Journey. Uh, I also help my clients to build businesses out of their life purpose or to just find the meaning of their life in the first place so that it is something that's worth living. Then you can just, all roads lead to bethmartins.com. <laughs> Other than uh, that, then you can drop me a line on Twitter or on Facebook or anywhere in my own comments on my videos. I love to hear from people. I love to interact and get to know there's so many beautiful souls out there. And uh, it's it would be nice also to meet some people locally. <laughs> I'm going to be coming through Ontario, by the way, in a couple of weeks. So if anybody's in that area in the, the Toronto, Oakville, um, Ingersoll, some region like that. I'm going to be doing a little bit, a tiny little tour with my book. I think you can only meet with 10 people at one time. So maybe I'll do a couple or three little uh, house talks of that. They'll be totally free. So if you're in the Ontario area, just drop me a line that you'd like to hear about that. And uh, in the meantime, Baldini, I look forward to our next call here. And uh, tomorrow, please tune in with Karen E. Is it Karen E? Am I getting that right? I'm not sure if Rose, you're still on the call here. Did I get it right, Karen? I know it's Karen B. I think it's Karen B, yeah. B. Thank you, not E yet. Rhymes, yes. with, rhymes with E. You're right. <laughs> and so we are doing the uh, second podcast of The Bitches Brew. It's going to be super fun with six or uh, five or six of uh, these beautiful. Can I, can I come listen even if I have a penis? Absolutely. Absolutely. No, absolutely. It is, it's, not, it's not restricted. Okay, this, uh, but it's a feminine perspective that hasn't necessarily been heard because it's not the feminist movement. It's a great deal for, from um, strong, um, bright women, in, including my wife, right? Like um, mm. she, she's right a lot of the time. <laughs> And I, I've learned to listen to her, um, you know, and it's not just like the yes, dear. Uh, no, she's she's very bright and astute, and um, I would be remiss not to listen to her. So, um, uh, you know, again, I, I love Rose and uh, what she's doing and um, just learning uh, more about uh, Karen B. She's a legend in the Flat Earth community. And um, so, again, these are some of the best people you're going to find out there, guys. And uh, Oh, and I'll just ask a quick favor. I'm not good at it. But if you want to, um, if you haven't yet, uh, please sub to my channel. I'm so close to a thousand and I get, you know, the, oh. the points for that yes uh, so. everybody run over to uh unintended con consequences and 
I think I'm just under 900 or something at this point. Wow. Eight, eight something. So um, wow. if you want to give me that, then I get the bonus, you know, the achievement unlocked things. Nice. Thanks to Rose. I'm up over uh, 1.03. Be perfect. See, Rose is awesome, and she supports um, uh, so many other people's channels, and she's a great conduit and a bridge. Um, you know, I started talking to her and Jason about building bridges when uh, initially um, Owen Benjamin was getting a lot of information from Crow. Uh, so I started kind of reaching out to other people and going, hey, can we get these people together? And then ultimately, David uh, Weiss appeared on uh, Owen Benjamin, and that kind of opened the door. And then uh, everybody started talking, right? And I just uh, sitting back, just being delighted uh, that that um, these bridges are being built and that nobody's trying to take anything away from anybody else everybody's supporting everybody it's freaking phenomenal I, know. Uh, I love it and rose has been um a key uh in that she's been the linchpin in, in um really um really uh reaching out and putting people together so rose if you're still here thank you so much for everything that you do we just can't thank you enough and um you're just beautiful and um yeah, th thank you. I appreciate you guys um, subbing, and uh, hopefully you'll you'll find it worthy uh, of coming by. So, uh, Beth, I've really enjoyed my time here. Thank you so much. I know um, <laughs> I talk a lot, right? Uh, sorry, most of the time I really don't. People I work with, they, they would be shocked. You think you're quiet? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't say ten words all day. Oh, fun. Uh, so uh, it's a, it's a you know it's different. I'm I'm definitely an introvert, uh, but because of that, I you know things get bottled up, and it's like oh somebody to talk to. <laughs> so, so it's nice. like that. You're clearly passionate about these subjects. It it also shines, and I appreciate it so much about you. So Thanks for I'm glad we we finally did this. I will have you on again. Thank you everyone Thanks. for joining. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your Saturday. See you tomorrow, 7:30 p.m. Uh, Central Time for the Bitches Brew over on Karen B's channel. And uh, otherwise, signing off for now. Have a beautiful rest of your day.